Steel Toes and Scoreboards Podcast. Like us on Facebook and Twitter. Hey, Kurt, you want a hot take? Yeah. Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. He was a great two-strike hitter. Bill Lambeer would have made Shaq piss himself. You really think so? It's Shaq, dude. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. Fun fact, Kurt. I love deep stats. Good research, bro. <laughs> Word association. Greatest of all time. Tell me how you really feel about pro sports. These contracts are out of control. Some people might not like that. Well, I'm going to piss some people off. <laughs> well, I mean, you sure will. You're the baseball guru, though, man. Shout out to my coach, Joe Rodmaker. Well, it is a digital world these days. Yeah, I'm an analog man. Tiger Woods. Mount Rushmore, bro. Coach Bobby Knight. Oh, you misses him, no doubt. Times have changed. But for the better of the worst. No, that's, that's arguable. I'll tell you right now, though. I'm, uh, it's modern age. I'm not drug testing for pot anymore in any sport. It's a damn plant. <laughs> they fire and suspend these guys for weed? Ridiculous. I'm a fountain sure of bet. useless pro wrestling. Sure now. bet. Sure bet. <laughs> Sound like Adam Sweet. Sure bet. <laughs> he was a role model for millions. Rest in peace, Mamba. Team Ali. Team Tyson. You know what? Fuck it. You're baseball's new commissioner. I don't want that job. (laughs) Oh, horse shit. Come on, bro. Magic vs. Bird. What a rivalry. Okay, okay. Boost ratings. Ashes in the seat. You know what? Hot take. Tap the mic. He's the best I've ever seen. Nobody compares to him. Look at his legacy. Alright, guys. Another episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboards coming to you now. All right, guys. Jared Atkins alongside Kirk Kelly. Welcome to another episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboards. And I can't help but laugh every time we we had a lot of fun making yeah. that. Oh yeah, a lot of fun making the intro. The uh, the first one sucked. Yeah, because it was all over the place. Yeah. This Talk, you had a line about a two strike hitter right after we had a line about Shaq or something. Just. <laughs> What I wanted to do was isolate a whole bunch of audio from every episode and put it together, right. but I, I'm i lazy. Hey, we got it two takes. Yeah, day. so so two weeks later we record the one. I, I just laugh because, you know, it, it really sounds like you're saying deep sluts. <laughs> and it looks like on the paper, I love deep sluts and it's the deep hesita- stats. The hesitation was, yeah, I was making sure I was going to be reading what I was seeing there. Oh, my God. That's pretty funny. How you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing all right. How about Let's, you? Uh, I'm, I'm good. Let's uh, timestamp real fast because uh, this is going to be an awesome episode. Uh, Saturday, August 28th, we are about quarter after 9 p.m. on a Saturday night. A hot muggy. Yeah, nasty. <clears throat> I about died this week at work. Yeah, it was miserable. Miserable. Us fat boys aren't made for this. Gold bond. I, I got it under the Hello. table. <laughs> I tell you every time I got the gold bond. I mean, if you ain't in front of a fan in there, it's bad. Then even when you are in front of the fan. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. At least there's air moving, in, even if it is a hot air. I mean, it helps a little bit. But so uh, Tuesday, I was helping uh, a couple guys who was working on out plastic, and they had two fans going right. back there, and I farted. <laughs> oh no! Because that shit's funny to me. <laughs> so I farted. And then that those fans going, it just kind of kept circulating. Oh, no. it. So it was like a death oh, fart. Oh, no. Linger and, uh, longer. 
<clears throat> the little feller looked at me and said, if you shit like that again, he said, I'll fucking stab you. <laughs> Damn, it must have been bad. <laughs> he, uh. he said, I'll stab you. <laughs> uh, anyways. Uh-uh. So, uh, I, before we get into this and we run through our opening sponsors, and uh, I have no format yeah, he did for not tonight's have a format. episode. He, he, I, he won't need one. I, <laughs> I have done 100% of nothing. I've had two weeks to prepare because I don't feel like I need to prepare because no. tonight we're talking, and if we're being honest... This was the whole reason I got into podcasting to begin with, and I have yet to do it. Uh, we're we're going to do a wrestling episode based yes. on pro wrestling. And I, I I have thought about this for two weeks, how I was going to put this episode together, what to talk about. And I come to your house tonight and basically told you we're just going to push record and we'll right. see where it fucking right. goes. So right. uh, <laughs> it might be all over the place. Uh, I mean, I, I got a, a few questions I know conjured you, up here. I mean, he was, uh, he was looking online at some stuff. He goes, "I'm going to rattle some questions off throughout the episode," which is good because you're going to take charge a little bit. Uh, you know, my knowledge is not as vast as yours on this subject, but I mean, I know a little bit about it. The early years, <laughs> it's impressive. It, it it's annoying my. My dad all the time. He's like, I, and I come in wearing a wrestling yeah, T-shirt. He, yeah, he's decked out for the. It's the uh, World Wrestling Federation TV Tour Crew. These were shirts that some of the TV guys and the ring crew would wear on some uh, of their tapings and live events. And pretty cool. Uh, 1991 says on the back. I would have been four years old. 91. Four years old. Which is, you know, roughly. People find this hard to believe, but I remember what I remember. I was it was about ninety ninety one. I was about three or four years old when I first had my first real memory of wrestling. So, <coughs> what, what would that be? <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I can remember and and go figure. I can remember the Undertaker. Okay. Yeah. So that's it, like you know I told you he retired in November after right. thirty years of working. He was in the business altogether, I think, 35 years, maybe. That's impressive. But really. 30 of that was spent with one character, and uh, which kind of just speaks to the volume of how, like I said, my childhood died when he retired. But uh, Intimidating. Uh, look and... Six foot ten. Yes. Uh, they build him sometimes as being close to seven feet. Well, they, they never build him as being seven foot. They... Always said six ten, and they always said the almost seven footer, three hundred thirty pounds well, most I mean, of his career. And what a name and, and character for! I mean, that was a great fit for him too. Oh know. man, he had, and he had so many different versions of that character, right. which we'll I'm sure we'll we'll get into that later. But uh, yeah, I don't. I have no idea how we're gonna do this. I have no format. Right. I have no notes. All I have open on the laptop right now. Is uh, the notes I started putting for the sponsors, right? Which is why I stopped handwriting. So, to get started, uh, let's plug somebody. Plug uh, somebody real fast, and uh, um, we'll save Glary for last because we still have to talk about them. Right. So, uh, shout out Deer Thirty Mineral. Uh, it's that time of year, guys. Um, they're gonna start shedding velvet soon yep. if they haven't already. Uh, I'd say um, some of them have already. Some of them already have, I'm sure. Um, that's serious nutrition for your herd. They've got um, 
a number of products uh, just guaranteed to impress um, you know your trophy case and when you look through the scope and at your trail cams uh, I always shout out the clock stopper um, and me and Kurt's joke don't know a man, man in this world don't like a big rack <laughs> <That's so. right. laughs> uh, Deer 30 Mineral check them out on Facebook or online uh, give them a call at one two seven zero three three nine seven seven three one, or send them a message. Uh, local company or local to us, kind of Madisonville, Kentucky, ain't far uh, outside of Henderson. So, uh, bro, I actually checked one of their links out, and I'm impressed. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I see a lot of people tagging them on social media and the stuff that they got going on. And it's impressive. They know they. Uh, when they first started asking, when I first started, like, hey, can we plug you guys? Because at first, when we first started, I was just looking to start plugging people. Just something, just to get the rub going. Right, right. And then I read about them, and uh, I got a couple of my friends that I go coyote hunting with. Um, and they run a, they run their own kind of thing called Perfect Stand. And they're a big representative and a sponsor of, of them right, guys. Right. And, and uh so they were like, yeah, man, do you an outdoorsman? I'm like, well, I was. I'm like, I kind of got fat and lazy, which, by the way, not so fat and lazy anymore. I'm always going to be fat. But I told you tonight I'm wearing shorts I ain't worn in about six years. Shout out. Way to go, dude. Yeah. So uh, I would like to get back out in the woods. They um, they keep telling me they're going to send me samples, which they haven't yet. If they do, they do. I'll use them or give them to somebody that can. But uh, anyways, Deer 30 Mineral and uh, – before we we get back into the wrestling here, uh, last week's episode, um, I didn't get a lot of feedback on. Okay. Which is not to say it was a bad episode. It's either people are tired of hearing tits. <laughs> By the way, that's me and Kurt's new hashtag when I when I uh, post about the show. It's hashtag tits. Two idiots talking sports. sports. Tits. That's one of the new hashtags. We should have called it the Tits Podcast. All right. The name is deceiving as shit. We would have yeah. got a million downloads by now if we'd been yeah. called the Tits Podcast. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, but I didn't get a lot of feedback. I did get a couple hits back on Twitter. Somebody's like, "I love when you guys do World Series episodes," which we've only done two. Right. So well, that's a good feedback. You know, when it comes to sports, my love was always baseball and wrestling. They were pretty hand in hand. Baseball maybe taking a higher, even though I remember wrestling first. Right. Uh, but there'll there'll be plenty more World Series episodes yeah. to come. Yeah, we are. Um, but anyway, so uh, we are viewership. Or I should viewership. You're not really viewing right now. It's all audio. But downloads and streams are coming. Right. Some weeks we have a slow day where we'll go like three or four days without a download, and then the other day we had an outlier day where we had like six downloads in one day. So. It's it's going. Right, it's hit or miss. Right. I'm working my ass off on social media trying to build this brand, and I really think when we get uh, Doyle, Doyle, say hi to everybody. Hello. Even though you're not participating tonight, I really think once we get Doyle with a mic and get him an episode that he's really and he's younger than me, yeah, I really yeah. think he'll help push this out there. So, but all right, man, you doing good? Oh yeah, yeah, can't complain. Wouldn't do no good to complain, so. No. Well, as per tradition, sitting in your <laughs> thriving metropolis out here in Alfordsville, Indiana. <laughs> yeah. Going to fire me up a lucky strike. As much as we plug R.J. Reynolds tobacco products, or I do. Yeah. Because you're a Philip Morris guy. 
They should all send yeah. me a check. They ought to. For sure. Absolutely. But I'm going to fire one up. And I'm here to tell you, I don't even know where to start. I, I want to start. <laughs> you got some stuff for me? Yeah, I got something for you. I mean, that's kind of good. Before I do, one other thing I want to say before we do. And everybody, <coughs> for a few listeners we got, this is not a joke. This is not an ego. This is a true statement. My dad tonight, uh, my dad's been staying with me for a while, which is kind of weird. But, I mean, I lived with him and my mom growing up. So, you know, whatever. But he goes, I told Kurt, he was, he was laughing. He goes, well, I ain't seen you do no work on that goddamn laptop all week. How you, you ain't even got any notes. Where, where's your research at for this wrestling episode? I'm like, come on. Come on, you're talking to me like <laughs> I am the wrestling research, yeah, okay? Like go. I am, like let's not let's call a spade a spade. I don't need notes. I am. And he, and he goes, goddamn wrestling nerd. <laughs> Which the irony is funny because he, it's my dad's well, he, fault. He probably got you started. He got it, me yeah. started, and then yeah. I, I told Kurt his famous words. He goes. Never thought it'd take over that boy's damn life the way it does. It's all he wants to talk about is wrestling. Hey. So I mean, it, which by the way, the 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 wrestling podcast I was referencing, right? Which I'm going to plug at the end of this episode. Uh, we now have a Facebook page up for that, and we're going to start recording on that. So I'm going to be running two podcasts. There you go. Right on. So That'd steel be cool. toes and scoreboards is always going to take precedent though, because it was me and Kurt going in half on all the equipment and the laptop and everything and this is where i have a lot of fun so this one's always going to take precedence over the wrestling yeah, podcast you, you but need to do a wrestling podcast i think you do. You just tell like foam at the yeah, mouth like a yeah, rabid dog yeah but uh okay so i figure if anything i can and i make mistakes As, but anything i can't answer we got a pause button right, we got the google right, machine so right i want to start with let's, let's start i mean uh, the wrestling federation the earliest superstars that paved the way to what we now know are you talking about WWE WWE yeah so you're talking about the early days in the WWF name some of the superstars and how how they paved the way for pro wrestling um I mean now there's different sanctions all over the country well there's there's different organizations (laughs) yeah but the big one is the big one what is now and has been for years has been based in Greenwich, Connecticut, which is just outside of New York. That's why when talent would always go sign with Vince, they would say they were going to New York because Greenwich, Connecticut's not that far outside of New right. York City. So Vince's company was always kind of the go-to place. Don't get me wrong, before Jim Crocker Promotions became WCW and kind of left the NWA umbrella, it was either you worked for the NWA in one of their territories. And that's the thing about what people don't understand the the WCW was a promotion that was founded kind of by Ted Turner. I don't I don't remember the details of it. I don't remember if he bought from the Mid Atlantic promotion from Jim Crockett Promotions. Uh, but 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 the hay bed the 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 hotbed that I was telling you about of like the Carolina based right, and right, Virginia and all right. stuff that was all Mid Atlantic. Okay. Championship wrestling. That was the Crockett's era territory. But the but a lot of the NWA was this all encompassing sanctioning body for territories. That like you had Bob Geigel running St. Louis, uh 
Eddie Graham was running championship wrestling from Florida. You, you had all these territories. Memphis, Memphis was kind of its own thing. That's why I've often said Memphis is the last wrestling territory alive because they were still around when The Rock was coming in. The Rock came through Memphis right. as uh, Flex Cavana before he was polished enough to go up and become Rocky Maivia and then later became The Rock. So Memphis was kind of its own standalone thing, which is the wrestling. I grew up watching all kind of wrestling, but Memphis was the local stuff right. because Memphis, Memphis would run the Mid Mid South Coliseum on Monday night, Tuesday night they'd run the Louisville Gardens, right. Wednesday night right down the road to Evansville, Evansville Coliseum, Lance, Lance Russell, Dave, Dave Brown, yeah, old banana nose Jerry Lawler yeah. called him. Yeah, that's uh, the early yeah. memory I have of wrestling is that. Right there. Thursday nights, I don't know if they'd have an off night or sometimes they'd run an outlaw town like Jonesboro, Arkansas or or Tuloma or something. You know, Friday right. nights were kind of the same thing. Saturday mornings they did TV at Channel 5 Studios right. in Memphis. Saturday night they'd do a shot at the fairgrounds in right. Nashville. Sunday they were off getting ready to start the loop back over. Uh, they'd air everything here Sunday. Oh, Some yeah. Sundays after. Sun, yep. Be right after church. But, uh, <laughs> To get back to what you're saying, to the the big stars yeah, of that time, stars. you you had Andre the Giant, you had Jimmy Superfly Snuka. Yeah. Those were kind of two of Vince Senior's big attractions, and then later became Vince McMahon, now Vince Junior, um, and then of course Hogan. But like right. the, the early stars, I can think of a lot of them. You had Polish Power, Ivan Putski. You had the magnificent Don Morocco. Don Morocco and Jimmy Snuka used to have bloodbaths. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, cage matches in Madison Square Garden. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter in his, his early days. The Iron Sheik. Sheiky baby. I remember him. I remember him. You guys that don't know wrestling that are listening to this, you want some humor, you need to get on YouTube in your Google machines and just type up, like, Iron Sheik shoot Hulk Hogan. In the wrestling business, shoot is where somebody gives an interview and it's not scripted. It's real. Like these are, and a lot of times they get heated and vocal because uh, the boys in the wrestling business, half of them don't like each other. Yeah. The boys will fuck the boys. That's why you don't ever bring your woman, your woman, into the locker room because if you leave your girl around a bunch of the boys, somebody's always going to try to, for lack of a better term, toss the meat to her. <laughs> so you keep your girlfriends out of the lock. Anyways, but uh. Iron Sheik, it's hilarious. Sheiky baby, ah, Hulk Hogan, ah, fuck a you, Sheiky baby, fuck a you. It's just, dude, it's hilarious. There's like a, a whole internet, internet, internet wrestling community for shoot interviews. Because that's where you, uh, the term I was using to you earlier night when I was showing you my bag of wrestling nerdism, uh, breaking kayfabe. Yeah. Shoot interviews, you break kayfabe. Right. Which is where you reveal the secrets or you talk about stuff you shouldn't talk about. Shoot interviews are awesome. And just, <laughs> I'm laughing now because I'm thinking about oh, just the iron. Oh, shiki baby, oh, Hulk Hogan, the fuck are you? <laughs> but there, there was other guys too. Um, and now I'm trying to draw... I'm drawing blanks on them, but you know you had Snuka, Andre the Giant, Morocco, uh, Pat Patterson, who was the first, to my knowledge, one of the first openly gay professional wrestlers. He came out. Pat Patterson was the first Intercontinental Champion. He passed away this past year. Uh, 
the Briscoe. Well, the Briscoes I mean, aren't really up there. A few of the names I'm, I'm recognizing. Yeah, um, Big John Stud. Yeah, was- Big John Stud. Um, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, who passed away just a few weeks ago. Uh, great guy. Uh, Jake the Snake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, these are kind of like set. Some of these are late '80s. I'm thinking of too. Boy, that's, but that's when I can remember. But uh, he had the honky tonk. The honky tonk man. Uh, a million dollar man. Was did that? you know? You didn't know this, but I'll tell you this. Uh, Wayne Ferris is the name. It's the honky tonk man. He and Jerry Lawler are actually cousins. Uh, really? True story. I mean, uh, it, their it mothers. Their bit. mothers are sisters. Okay. So they are actually first cousins. First yeah. cousin. That's pretty cool. A honky tonk man. He came in the ring. I'm honk. I got the I long mean, sideburns could, and my hair slicked back. He used <laughs> yeah. to come out in a pink Cadillac. I'm just a honky tonk man. Oh, well, my favorite was that Brutus. Brutus the Barber Bar- Beefcake. Yeah. Uh, right now I'm drawing a blank on Brutus's actual real name, but uh, in the day Hulk Hogan was another name that came through Memphis. When Hogan came into Memphis, they had a guy playing his the role of his brother. And the guy playing his brother was Brutus the Barber Beefcake because they look similar. And I cannot remember Beefcake's real name right now. But uh, anyways. Uh, yeah, painting a picture there. What's kind of paved the way for some of the superstars? I've heard a few of them. You know, I can think of a couple others. Like I said, I was my earliest memories. Yeah, yeah. Talk, tell me about that. What do Lance, you remember? Lance Russell and Dave Brown. You know, that's my first. A memory. young, young Dave Brown, oh, by the way. Dutch Mantel. I've uh, got two pictures of Dirty Dutch. I took one with him. Billy the Superstar Dundee. Superstar Bill Dundee. Of course, was it was Lawler. Jerry Lawler. Jackie Fargo was who Jerry Lawler beat. To become that's when Jerry started calling himself the king of Memphis because at that time Jackie Fargo was the be all end all in Memphis wrestling. And when a young, cocky, arrogant little prick named Jerry Lawler beat him, the next week Jerry came out, got a hold of a crown, and a cape, and a scepter, yeah. and he became the king, king. And it stuck, yeah, for sure. That's um, their earliest memories I have, man. Probably some of them. What I first remember about wrestling, uh. And, I, and, you know, people want to challenge me on this. You can go ahead and challenge me. I'll make you look stupid. Wrestling's one thing I don't back down an argument on. <laughs> I was – I can't remember exactly. I was three or four. And, and people always argue that. Well, most people, when you first start to remember shit, you're about three or four years old. Yep. And wrestling was a – I was, couldn't have been three or four. Uh, I was laying at the house. We grew, I grew up in as a kid. <coughs> and uh, – the Undertaker came out on TV, and my, I just remember my dad. He, he wore this. He had this. My dad, which you always see me, I always have a hat on, right? <laughs> right. So I got that from my dad. And my dad's hat collection is like hundreds of hats deep. He had this horrible yellow hat on, and I don't remember what it says. I can see it now. In my, it was yellow, and it had like <laughs> lime green, right? It looked just freaking ridiculous. But he comes sauntering through the kitchen in our house that we lived in. We we, we moved up there in '91. Sauntering. Yeah, Word we moved the up there in '91. So I, it would it would have been '91 then. So I'd have been four years old. We moved up there in September 1991. So I would have been four. So it, it, the sauntering. The house was built in the '50s, and it, it had carpet in the kitchen. Only house I've ever seen right. in my life that's got right. carpet in the kitchen. 
and he come strutting through there walking real slow and he was bringing me a sippy cup i'll never forget he goes the undertaker oh yes like paul bear <laughs> that's my first memory of wrestling because i seen him taker had to cut off sleeves and the long gray gloves and the gray spats on his boots and you know yeah, hooked from that day forward man. especially with that character too like yeah. i told like i i I, I'm somewhere in photo albums that my dad has in storage. There's pictures of my shrine to the Undertaker in my room. Like it was wrestling, like pitch. I'm telling you, dude. Literally, I I had thousands of wrestling magazines and pictures just taped to the walls and posters and like there was an Undertaker shrine. Nerd, nerd, nerd. No, fuck all you. <laughs> now, go ahead, I'll out. Fuck that. I'm telling you. Uh, I'm just joking. But uh that and then uh plus hearing my dad talk about it, like uh my dad used to go to the coliseum on wednesday nights grandpa would take him and my uncle down there and my dad's seen a lot of these guys come through he's seen lawler and bill dundee go at it he's seen joe LaDuke biting the fucking hammer like he's seen the moon dogs right, rex and right. spot i mean he's seen adrian street he austin idol was right, one of his favorites right. and you know the war machines and He's seen Kamala before Kamala went to work for Vince in 91 or 92. Like, he's seen these guys, like the Rock and Roll Express, right, Ricky right. Morton, Robert yeah. Gibson, the Midnight Express. I remember uh, the Rock and Roll Express. Oh, yeah. Ricky, Ricky Morton, flyers. Robert Gibson. They guys were flying all over the place. Oh, man. They're the Louisville legends. Yeah. The Louisville legends. Um, you know, the Rock and Roll RPMs and, you know, the Dirty, the dirty White Boy. Yeah. And, and we're talking a lot about Memphis, which I was fortunate to grow up where I grew up at the time period and location because I was part of that Memphis hotbed. Right, right. Which was a big deal back then. I mean, it was really. I mean, I, mean, I said Jerry the King Lawler. Jerry has, Jerry has two boys, Kevin Lawler and Brian. Brian, of course, being Brian Christopher Lawler, which went by Brian Christopher. Brian tragically passed away about four or five years ago uh, in a drug overdose and I think he had a heart attack in prison or something. It was something over the top. Uh, really tragic. Right. Um, I'm friends with Kevin Lawler on Facebook. Been friends with him for years. Kevin did a little behind the scenes work and did a little refereeing but Brian always wanted to be the wrestler like his dad. One of the greatest <laughs> memories of my childhood wrestling. So they come out on Saturday morning, Channel 5 Studios there in Memphis, where they did all their TV at. Here come Brian Lawler, Brian Chris. Well, of course, he Jerry would never admit that he was his son. That was always the gimmick. I'm not Jerry's kid. They Lawler later said in life, in a shoot, he never acknowledged Brian as his son in the business because he wanted Brian to be able to get over and be successful on his own. He didn't want Brian, everybody to say, well, it's just because right, you're Jerry right, Lawler's right. kid, but... Here come, here come little Brian. He's pulling this little red wagon. We all had little red wagons when we were yeah, kids. Me, yeah. you, Dole, God, everybody. Lord yep. Jesus Christ himself. We all had a little red wagon. Here come Brian. And there's a little bitty scale, like what you weigh your food on. Right. And then there was like five championship belts. Or it might have been three. And he just comes in and cuts this cocky little heel promo about 
how he's the best ever and he's got the goal to prove it and he's a little feller but people think he can't handle the challenges of being a big man well look how much my gold weighs i'm carrying around <laughs> i don't see you carrying around 30 pounds of gold look i've got three belts 10 pounds of gold just over the top and it was awesome and you know he's over there dave brown's rousing it's just it's great shit yeah it's uh it's entertaining entertainment it, entertaining and it's it took off it took off here for there's a nothing more entertaining than watching rick flair promos which i'm sure oh, we'll yeah. get to like I, I i see your list right now and i don't know what's on it but it's just funny to me that you're you're kind of taking charge on this episode well, like you're got, taking charge but you got stuff have a few things up well fuck it hit me with it i don't know how we're gonna do this i'm just when i feel like we've talked enough i'll turn it uh, off i mean okay the argument for years all of the matches fake real scripted okay i'm a. you know what go ahead and finish is that is that, that is that no, all you that, have wrote that's all i got wrote right okay there. i mean it's a big argument here, here comes everybody. a hot take and i always tap my this is gonna piss people off because this pisses me off um I don't. I don't if, have. If if you tell me wrestling's fake, my initial reaction is I'm gonna punch you in the fucking nose. And say is that fake, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, is your bloody nose? Okay, okay, but I can't do that. I hate the word fake. I know where I stand on it. To me, to me, real and fake are two bad words and i'm gonna use a quote from jamie dundee superstar bill dundee's boy wrestled as jci's wolfie d pg-13 tag right. team check out our bonus episode at 2 a.m in the archives where we <laughs> spend 45 minutes on wrestling the hubcap finish where they hit guys with the hubcap anyways Jamie Dundee once said that he real and fake are two bad words. Wrestling's fixed; it's not fake. Well, I mean, I, I was leaning towards scripted. Where that's I was, that's always what I say. Uh, it's uh, not uh, fake; it's fixed. Right. These guys, these guys if are still good athletes. Man. They are athletes, and people sure. don't understand that they are athletes. Absolutely. Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar are Kurt Angle's an Olympic wrestler. Brock Lesnar's a two or three time NCAA yeah. champion. I tried to wrestle in high school after Brock Lesnar. You know, like, these guys are real athletes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's fixed. You can't tell me when Owen Hart falls uh, 70 right. feet to the ring and dies right, in the ring right. that that's fake. Fake, right. Wrestling's fixed. Um, you take a suplex nine after nine yeah. on two-by-tens, 12 feet long, 16 feet long, whatever, right. running across the ring. You're going to feel that after a while. And I'll tell you something you didn't know, and I have no trouble admitting this. <clears throat> I know it's not fake. In 2010, I attempted to live out my dream. In 2010, I took a handful of seminars to be a pro wrestler. I took the very first seminar May 8th, 2010 at the center in Evansville. Not the Ford Center. Down the road from the Coliseum, there's a smaller venue just called the Center. Now they have the Ford Center, their big arena, because they got rid of Robert Stadium, right, but they right. still have the Center. It's just a smaller venue. I took a training seminar there March 8th, or May 8th, 2010. My cousin, who the big guy with the beard I showed you, who works in the office where right. we work at, yeah. he took it with me, the first one. I took several more seminars without him. 
and I was training because, like, I was gonna, I was gonna live my dream. Right. I was gonna be a wrestler. I didn't care. In the wrestling business, there's a term called a forty miler. I didn't care if I was a forty miler or if I actually made it big. A forty miler is a guy that gets in his car on a Friday night, drives forty miles to one town, wrestles, makes a hundred bucks, fifty bucks, I'm drives gonna, the next town right. forty miles over. Wrestles Saturday night, and then Sunday morning he heads out back home to go start his job working right. five to five at the factory again. Right. So I was training. I was taking bumps. When you first learn to hit the ropes, you know what your latimus muscle is back there, right? Yes. You're supposed to absorb the impact. Right. In, in the wrestling business, there's two style of rings. Some people have steel cables that are coated with rubber. Rubber. Yeah. Or others, like the WWE actually still uses actual rope, nope. and they put colored duct tape over it. Okay. Okay. The ring I was in had the steel cables. And all my years of learning wrestling and watching wrestling, not just as a fan, but as a student, I never watched these guys actually hit with their lats. So when I tell you that two days after I was pissing blood, and my whole side was bruised, looked really? like I had had the shit beat out of me. That's a true story. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I, I, I hit the ropes and I was absorbing all the impact with my. Fa- I was even slimmer back in 2010. So you're telling me that there's a lot of technique into a lot of, all about all the maneuvers they're making. Timing. 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 I mean, because if you're not, if your timing is not spot on and you don't trust, you're in wrestling business. You're only as good as your dance partner. Right. Meaning the guy you're in the ring right, with. Right, right, And you have to trust them, but your timing's got to be on. If you botch a move, you're going to you're gonna paralyze the yeah, guy. Right. There's a former Denver Broncos defensive end and linebacker named Darren Drozdoff who ventured into pro wrestling in 97. He took he accidentally suffered a botched powerbomb at a, at a TV taping in 1999. He's never walked again. Yeah, He's in yeah. a wheelchair the rest of his I life. Mean, some of that shit looks pretty dangerous. I mean... It takes one fuck up, right. one slip so of the hand. They have to be in unison. You're saying that, yeah. <clears throat> so therefore, it, it's that's script, why wrestling it's is script. wrestling is fixed. But you feel right. some of the stuff. I mean, no, you're not actually out there when they they show impacts of like some guy will tackle a guy and he's on top of him fucking pounding away. No, ninety percent of those shots aren't connected. Right. You uh, sell it like it right. is. Right. Uh, I know it's a lot of times when the foot's off. They'll hit the mat with their other foot. See? Yeah, I mean, I've trained out, but they're close. They're good because they're good at what they do because they want you to watch the action up here instead of watching the movement of their foot. Right. Right. Uh, But I'm also going to tell you this if you're in a training seminar and you're being trained by a guy born and raised in Washington, Indiana, shout out the natural Chase Stevens, or you're being trained by a guy that passed away. the end of last year, earlier this year of cancer, the wild-eyed southern boy Tracy Smothers, rest in peace, brother. Uh, and they tell you to throw a chop on somebody, and you just hit like a weak chop, and you try to stomp your foot, and then you plus proceed to get your chest just reamed and bled. Those chops, that, they don't fake those chops. I would say they sound real. I mean, you the can blisters hear, on your yeah. chest, that's yeah. real. Uh, makes me think of the, the Royal Rumble I watched in. Uh, 1992. 92. The greatest war rumble of ever time. There was a lot of chops in that. Ric Flair took, I don't know how many chops. 
and they sounded pretty fucking real. Ric Flair stole those chops from Wahoo McDaniel. Because <laughs> a young Ric Flair used to get the shit beat out of him by Wahoo McDaniel. Oh, yeah? Yeah. See, I don't, I'm not familiar with Wahoo McDaniel. What's but, it say in the intro? I'm a fountain of useless... Yeah, no, wrestling. Wrestling. No, that's yes. pretty much what it is. Yes. I mean, that, You're, you were more excited about this episode I, than what I thought you were going to be. I well, thought you were going to be like, man, I don't want to talk about this with him. I, I can tell you're passionate about well, it. Well, I and mean, that, hey. <clears throat> that you know, kind of gets me juiced up a little bit. I cracked the joke that I suffered a Steelers episode for you. Yeah, yeah, so he did. He, you, you, yeah. Owe, yeah. you owed me yeah, one. Owed you one. owed me one. <laughs> We have a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, dude. Absolutely. I mean, that, that pretty well answers my question on it. I won't say real or fake. Man. I, I mean, I'm not going to punch you, dog. I love you, but I'm just... Well, I mean, that's it a just, big argument. It, it, really, it really bothers me. And I, I want to tell you a story real quick. In 2000 and... Fuck. Somewhere between 2006 and 2008. I don't remember the exact year. Those might not even be the real years, but you know me. I hit more than I miss, or I get pretty damn close. Somewhere between 06 and 08, there was a big, big, big wrestling. And there's there's wrestling conventions and assemblies and shit all over the world all year long. There was a big one. I want to say it was out on the East Coast somewhere. And um, there was a fan, and I don't remember his name. Actually, honestly, now I think about it, this might have even been part of the Cauliflower Alley Club, which is kind of like a pro wrestling Hall of Fame, kind of, the Cauliflower Alley Club. Because you always, you know, Cauliflower Ear. Right, right. Uh, but anyways, whatever it was, just just get on your Google machines, YouTube, and, and type in pro wrestling, and then type in it's still real to me, damn it. And there's this young guy in the audience uh, he's sitting there in front of a panel, and I think Jim Cornette's there, and Jeff Jarrett's there, and a handful of guys. And and this guy represents a lot of us. This guy just breaks down into tears, and he goes, "I thank you guys for what you put your bodies through, how you've entertained us." And and he full on, full fucking blowing waterworks, going, "It's still real to me, damn it!" <laughs> and you know they're all right. Yeah, people are giving him a hug, but like, like that's. That's the passion I have. Like, right. I, I the best way I need another cigarette. You see how passionate I get. I, I'm, before we move on, I'm gonna I'm gonna end it pretty much with this. I get asked by some people, it's like, man, your obsession with wrestling, it's you know, it's fake, right? Like, why why are you so enamored with it? And I'm like, you know what? I hate fake. It's fixed, but you know what? Fine, I'll tolerate. Yeah, it's fake. You know what? It's like magic. You remember David Copperfield? Oh, yeah. He made the Statue of Liberty disappear, right? Right. Okay. <clears throat> Where am I going with this? Yeah. Okay. I know it didn't really disappear. Right. right. But I know it wasn't there when I seen it. Right. I don't want to know how he did it. I just know it didn't go anywhere, but when it was there, I didn't right, see it. Right. That's what it is with wrestling. Yeah. I can understand that. Yes. David I mean, Copperfield didn't make it. It didn't. It never left. The fucking whatever, what is that? The Hudson River Bay or the Bay or what? I mean, right. whatever the fuck it's called, it never left. I've been up in that statue, by, by the way. It's kind of creepy. I'm gonna go to New York one day. It's kind of creepy up there. But but the point is, right? Like, he didn't. It didn't physically leave the water. But when we all looked, it wasn't there. Right. Yeah. I don't know how he did it. <laughs> I don't want to know how he did it. Right. That's what yeah. it is with wrestling. That's. 
I can understand that, no, for sure. Uh, I just had to bring it up because hey, you know it, it's, you a, it's a question that people want to talk about pro wrestling. I mean, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna use the word scripted. Script is good. Script is good. I mean, it's definitely scripted. Most of the time, those now, out term, those outcomes are predetermined. Now that that well, doesn't mean things don't change. Well, say, do they ad lib? Sometimes guys have known been known to change the fan. Like I mean, these I've guys, seen guys talking to each other in the ring. In the ring, well, you have to, you have to communicate like in, in a corner against the turnbuckle or whatever. You what have, have to. You. Guys with long hair can hide it real well because you can get your hair in front of your face. Right, and right. but they're plus, definitely saying something to each well, other. And plus, what a lot of people don't think about this is. The guys that are in the production trucks on bigger event, like like the WWE shows or like some of the companies that are now, the guys that actually have TV programs, those guys in the production truck are kind of smartened up to things too because they're trained on camera shots because right. you cannot get that close. Right. You don't want to reveal your secrets. Right. right. So, I mean, you know, uh, they're, they're good with their camera cuts. And, I mean, it's been very few times, but I have caught some. Oh, well, you, you know, sure. And, uh, or you're going to hear them talking loud. Like, John Cena is one of the most popular guys in the world. Everybody, John Cena is almost at that point now like Hulk Hogan was. If you don't know shit about pro wrestling, it's that thing John Cena does. Right. Cena's been one of the guys that's been pretty vocal. He gets loud calling his spots so you can pick it up on the audio. Right. But. Okay. That's, that's pretty much. But like I said, it's scripted. But sometimes things cha- a guy will right. get hurt in the ring, right. and they'll have to change the finish. Like, uh, fuck, man, I just broke my arm. Just here, just, just, just roll me up, pin me. Right. You know. So. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, your favorite wrestler? Well, that's a tricky question. You know, like me who my favorite band is. Well, it, it's a tricky question because are you asking me my favorite wrestler or are you asking me like my favorite character? It will. Because that's that's a completely different question. Okay. Your favorite character. Well, <clears throat> well how about both? How about your favorite okay, wrestler? Okay. Favorite wrestler. Um, I've got to go with Bret Hart probably uh, uh, the, the pink and black attack I mean he used to the whole thing when they were heels which in wrestling terms for those that don't know heels are the bad guys baby faces are the good guys right. when he started out with Jim Neidhart his brother-in-law and they were the Hart Foundation they switched to pink because they said we're the only two men bad enough to wear pink and get away with it uh, I love watching Bret work uh, yeah, Shawn very, Michaels was another yeah, good one. Yeah, very technical. But if you talk about my favorite character, it's hands down who it's going to be. Undertaker. Yeah, I mean, uh-uh. yeah, I mean, how many eight by tens were in yeah, that or, bag? The much, much Undertaker. I can't wait to get our studio done, and there's going to be a wall of eight by ten wrestling and just it's covered. He uh, even said he'd let me put a Pittsburgh Steelers thing I will, up. <laughs> I will let it, you put some Steelers uh, memorabilia in there. There you go, bro. I'll get you a Mean Joe Green jersey frame thing in go. there. <clears throat> the, the Undertaker gimmick just uh, and you know what's even funnier about this? The first few years of my life when I started I, he scared the shit out of me. Well, yeah, he's he was terrifying. terrifying. Yeah, I mean, I mean he, he, he didn't Paul Bear did a lot of the voice work and Taker didn't say much, but when he did, it was low, it was yeah. slow, and he was like, the maggots, 
as the maggots infest in your eyeballs <laughs> and you breathe your last breath, you'll know that the man putting your soul to sleep was the undertaker and you will not rest in peace because there's no peace inside the undertaker's mortuary. <laughs> Damn, I would sleep with the lights on, dude. <laughs> I mean, and it was, it, he had so many versions of that character like in uh th- my favorite version of the undertaker uh and actually i will uh, open my phone here to show you a picture my favorite version of the undertaker was the shortest version it was uh it was 1999 uh it was the ministry of darkness era undertaker this is where he uh he turned heel he'd been a baby face for like six years and he turned heel and December of 98 so in 1999 he he the darkest version of himself and I'm gonna show you pictures here this is why I never wear a beard besides the fact I can't grow one I always wear the chin goatee because this was the undertaker in 1999 look at those pictures and tell me that's not fucking creepy that is creepy the way his goatee looks and everything and how it's pointed that that was 99 undertaker that was the most evil form of his character uh (laughs) He played the bad guy part. He, he did, but yeah. that character's so hard. Every, nobody wanted to hate that character. It was hard. So then in 99, he tears his growing, and he goes off TV, and he comes back in May of 2000 on the motorcycle. So he's now the American badass. Okay. Like, hey, I've played this dark character for years. This is a real-life version of me, and it worked for about three years, and then people were missing The Undertaker, so... They take him out. He takes some time off with another injury. They take him off TV. And then in 2004, he comes back at WrestleMania 20. And he's that version of The Undertaker for another 16 years yeah. before he hangs it up in November. So. That's a pretty good run. And uh, right, that, right before he come along is about the time I, I got cable. We'll see. He came <laughs> ESPN November and, in 1990. November 22nd, 1990. Of course, his real name is Mark Calloway. Mark had worked in wrestling for a handful of years before. He'd worked in WCW. He spent some time in Memphis. Uh, He spent some time in world-class championship wrestling, not WCW. This was WCCW. This was down in Dallas, Texas. This was owned by the Von Erich family. Right. Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich. Yeah, yeah. The guy with the one leg. Yeah, did not yeah. know that for yeah. a long time. That was he his family's his leg from like yeah, a, yeah, from a motorcycle accident. Yeah, down. Yeah, he used to shower uh-uh. with his boots on, so yeah. nobody would know. Yeah. Vince McMahon's the most powerful guy in wrestling. How the fuck are you going to hide from him that you're missing a leg right. and pull it off successfully? Right. That's crazy. But uh, <clears throat> Undertaker's first match was against Bruiser Brody, and I'm telling you guys right now. There's never been a more hard-hitting, scary fucking guy than Bruiser Brody. He got stabbed to death in Puerto Rico in 1988. Uh, they never charged the guy with murder. Called it self-defense. Really? Yeah. Puerto Rico was a place that a lot of people wanted to go and work. And then after Bruiser Brody got stabbed to death and basically almost died right there on the arena, locker room floor, that was a place people wouldn't go right. anymore. Huh. But uh, anyways, uh, Taker's very first match in wrestling was against Bruiser Brody. He said, he said, he said, I locked up with him and I kind of clipped him when we unlocked. He said, and then for the next eight minutes, I had the shit kicked out of me. 
He said, Brody, he said, bro, he goes, Brody, come up. Here come this big furry boot. Kicked me in the fucking face. I seen stars. He threw me out of the ring, grabbed me by my hair, said, come on, kid. We're going for a walk outside. He said, he hit me on every ring post, broke a steel chair. Back then, it was the chairs with the wooden right, slats. Right, right, Said, broke that steel chair. Those wooden slats splintered all into my back. And it's great. Uh, I mean, but entertaining. There, there was another character that I was really behind that I really enjoyed, uh, and this is this is recent. Um, uh, WWE's been in the last couple of years, especially with the COVID pandemic, especially has been on this thing of releasing a bunch of talent here lately, and they released a, a, a young name named Wyndham Rotunda, uh, who was wrestling as Bray Wyatt. And uh, he had a gimmick when he first came in as kind of like this southern backwoods cult leader preacher. And he played it really well for a few years. And then he took some time off TV. And then he came back in the spring of 2019 as this character called The Fiend, which is like this evil, just fucking evil, twisted. And, and Bray could wrestle as himself or he would bring out The Fiend, which is this evil clown almost and uh they they had this thing called the firefly funhouse there was a bunch of puppets and it was a it was a children's theme song and actually i want you to i want you to hear this (laughs) and i'm gonna turn i'm gonna i'm gonna put it up so wwe owns all this content but if they can find this podcast with not very many downloads and views i'll take the video down right but uh, I, I want you to see why I like this. Here we go. The, it just sounds so creepy. Um, creepy. Yeah, it is. Here, here, here we go. Here's the theme song. So look at that. Tell me that don't look creepy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Well, of course we have commercials. But it's twisted. This got me really back into wrestling. Excited about it two years ago. That fucking creepy. That's a little bit creepy, yeah. That's creepy, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you're feeling lonely today, <laughs> so, uh, but that's probably my favorite character now. Of course, now he's been released. Right. And what was cool about this at the time, going back two years ago, is I remember thinking, God, let this man have creative control in the wrestling business creative control basically means you let certain talent be able to make major decisions or have major inputs on their character not every talent is afforded that luxury you have to have a little bit of pool move some merchandise be well liked by vince and the guys or whoever the promoter is if they're working for a different company to have creative control and i can remember thinking if they let him have creative control this gimmick's gonna run to the moon and it got pushed to the moon right and uh just um i want you to see this the fiend debut in the The firefly yeah they're right here tell me this don't creep you out this is so this is where bray develops the fiend and uh just this this gimmick 
Once again, shout out World Wrestling Entertainment. This is your shit. We don't own any right. of it, but if you can find me, I'll take it down. This was from May 13th, 2019. I'm going to let you watch it. <laughs> Ain't that kind of creepy already? Yeah. The puppets. And it's like a children's right, TV show. Right. But you did. Because this week, okay. I have a secret. What kind of animal is that right there? It's a buzzard. Buzzard. That's Abby the Witch. Okay. Buzzard. Ain't this kind of creepy? Uh, it's, it's almost time for yeah. me. But they make it like a TV show for right. kids. And it, it, it was getting attention. It was getting ratings, and the internet wrestling community was just in love with this. So, who's with me? (laughs) That just warms my soul. But don't worry, there's still a lot of darkness in this old noggin. Oh, no. His gloves. You see his gloves? Yes. One says hurt, one says heal. Yeah. So it's always which one is he listening to? Uh. Now here is where he developed, debuts the theme. And I want you to tell me what you first think when you first see this. This is creepy, right? Uh. old antique dolls and stuff. Yes. Uh, Wait till he turns around. Look at his mask. I'll tell you about the mask in a second. Oh, dude. That's borderline psychotic. Yeah. And they target that towards children. Uh, pretty scary looking. And he always would say, Let me in. The guy that made his mask for him to wear was Tom Savini. You know, I know you don't know that name. Tom Savini was one of the guys that helped design the Jason Voorhees masks okay. for the Friday the 13th right. movies. So, anyways, <coughs> those would be my favorite characters, but favorite wrestlers. I mean, uh, another guy that, that could work <clears throat> in the wrestling business, a good worker just means a guy that can have a match with anybody. Uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Yeah, I heard him. Ricky yeah. could have a. Ricky could wrestle a, a broomstick. Right. And, you know. He's pretty athletic, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. His match, WrestleMania 3. WrestleMania 3 was 1987. That was the year before I was born. One of my top 10 favorite matches of all time Randy Savage, uh, Ricky Steamboat. Man. WrestleMania 3, Intercontinental Title, 93,000 people, Pontiac Silverdome, Michigan. <laughs> March 87. 93,000 in the Silverdome. Yeah. That's pretty. Uh, That's where Hogan beat Andre. Okay. Yep. I was going to watch one of them, but I, but I didn't get around to watching that whole Andre fight or match. I get passionate talking about wrestling. I can tell. I dude, fucking yeah. love. You owed me one. That's <laughs> oh, what I'm yeah. t- you owed me one for the Steelers episode. Oh, yeah. And sure. the eventual Dodgers history. Yes. Because I'm going to have to dig all the way back to the Brooklyn Dodgers for that. What else you got? Um, yeah, let me see. We talk which, anything which do you like better? What Tag up? team or solo matches? 
tag team wrestling. Me too. Uh, yeah. uh, and I'll tell you what, tag because tag team wrestling is a dying art. Um, not only, I mean, there's more guys involved now, so all four have to be on the same and the, page. And there's there's certain there's certain things like guys guys don't know how to work fucking tag matches anymore. You're you know if you're gonna be if you're gonna be a professional wrestler, the word there is professional. So you gotta do things the right way. Even if you're playing a heel or a babyface, you gotta do things the right way. Did you ever notice on the ring ropes and then you go to the corner, they've got the three pads that right. call them the turnbuckle. Have you ever noticed on the top turnbuckle pad there's like this little bitty rope that's like maybe yes. maybe like a foot, yes. two, three yes. foot? Yes. That's called a tag rope. Okay. Technically, and I guess they don't I guess they don't teach these guys this anymore. Uh, if you grow up in the Southern style or the Memphis style wrestling, watching right. like me and you did, they drum that in your head. If you're on the apron, you're holding the tag rope. Guys don't do that anymore. They don't teach that anymore. They don't. You you go watch. I dare you. You go watch a lot of these tag team matches. You never see guys working the tag ropes. That's what they're there for. Because you're supposed to be on right. one hand on that right. rope. Right. A lot of guys don't work that style anymore. Right. And tag wrestling was tag team wrestling just gets me excited because okay. it's it's a dying art. Like you look at some of the greatest tag teams of all time. Heart Foundation. Oh yeah. My favorite tag team. My other favorite tag team. PG thirteen. Arn Anderson and Ole oh, Anderson, yeah. part of the Four Horsemen, oh, yeah. or when it became just Arn and Tully. Right. Uh, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, uh, the Rockers. Oh, yeah. Well, the Rock and Roll Express. The Rock and Roll Express. The Midnight Express. Yeah, I can remember that. Uh, so many. Um, I mean, that's my favorite form of it. It's a tag team. The wars between the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight yeah. Express. There's a, there's a clip on YouTube from here. I can fucking pull it up. WCW, the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express are going at it. I think Midnight invaded on Rock and Roll and Jim Ross was like, they don't even work here, damn it. <laughs> They don't even work here. You know, it's just, I'm getting excited. Yeah, right on, brother. Tag team, uh, solo wrestling, it, it's a good story to tell. One-on-one -on -one singles matches. I just feel like there's so much more to the story. You add two other guys well, in. Yeah, you can tell a story. And, and tag matches are so beautiful because if, you got, if, if, if you're having a down night in the ring and the crowd's not responding to you, right. you can't get anything out of the crowd, tag out. Right. Tag the other two guys in. Right. You can do something. Something's right. gonna. Right. That and that's what sense. people don't understand. They think they think wrestling is just, oh, he's gonna hit him with a move. He's gonna hit him with a move. There's a psychology. It's called storytelling for a reason. Right. Well, how do you tell a story with moves? Because it's supposed to flow. Every move is supposed to make sense. Everything it's supposed to tell right. a consistent flowing story. And a lot of hours of preparation going into this, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean the training, uh, and you right. get, you only get better with every match right. you have. Right. Well, some guys, some guys suck. I wonder how many uh, heated rivals on in the match, but they were friends outside the match. Was there anything like that ever? You mean backstage heat yeah. between guys? Yeah, yeah. All the fucking time. It's the I wrestling mean, was, business. Was it the other way around, or was it? Enemies in the ring and friends out. Well, know, there's outside. a lot of guys. <laughs> I mean, I don't. you got where? Okay, you gotta understand where we're at with with wrestling now. Um, kayfabe is basically dead nowadays, for the most part. 
what killed kayfabe a lot of things social media killed kayfabe um the wwe releasing the network the wwe network going live in 2014 that helped kill kayfabe a lot of things killed kayfabe to where things aren't always what they see because you you back in the day there was a golden rule of wrestling you kept kayfabe alive you kept the secrets of the business heels and babyface didn't ride together you gotta think these guys are on the road back in the 80s shit these guys were working 300 days a year right they're on the road 300 days a fucking year dude right sometimes doing double shots on sundays 300 days a year so they travel with a lot of the same people and sometimes you know they would not let heels and baby faces ride together which was before the internet craze because what if somebody sees you right, well right. looking back on it now who gave a fuck if you stopped for gas and you know some little bitty hick town in arkansas right now when nobody could see you but nowadays now, yeah social media and everything yeah and you got guys overexpose the business not, not a fan of social media by the way I keep I'm telling you I'm going to put man. you on Facebook because I have so much shit I want to send you. I just, I'm going to set you up Facebook one day. I mean, uh, Strictly just for me. I'm not on social media. Just, <laughs> I know. He said it. He tried. Go ahead. I'm, I'm go ahead and say it again. <laughs> Shout out to the very first. I'm an analog oh, man. man. I know. In a digital world. world that's right. Um, I wouldn't look check out some of that cool stuff but I have to have actually have a Facebook account what I mean I'm pretty I mean yeah but I mean you'll find people you went to school with right away that's how oh, Facebook sure, yeah. because you'll put it in what year you went to graduate right. high school that part of it might be pretty cool I guess but uh, yeah and then you can I can send you all the dirty stuff that gets you kicked off Facebook <laughs> I've been kicked off Facebook dozens of times <laughs> time out or what it's, yeah it, well it's 2021. We're in an overly sensitized oh, wow. time in the world now. Yeah. So, things you could say on Facebook 10 years ago, eh, you can't really say that. <laughs> I still drop f bombs just because I push the envelope. Right. The day they, <clears throat> the day the f bomb gets censored is the day I bow out. <laughs> just, yeah, well, yeah. Fuck it, right? Right, right, right. But uh, but you know, going back to like, oh my God, there's there's real life rivalries outside of the ring. Uh, you have some guys that hate each other. They can't stand each other, but yet when they get to the ring and it's go time, it's bell time, money's on the table. There's a you know there's a two hundred thousand dollar house sitting out there, and there's you know twenty million dollars, ten million dollars sold on pay per view, whatever you know. You you put personal differences aside, and yeah, you yeah. work the match, right? You work the finish, and then everybody collects a paycheck. You go home, right? But that's I'm just also kind of curious. That's also know. funny because uh, the way Memphis ran, Jerry Jarrett and Jerry Lawler had a real simple philosophy, and this is fun, <laughs> this is a funny story. It's it's widely known that inside the Memphis wrestling offices there was a sign that said "Personal issues draw money," and if you look at pro wrestling, that's true. If you have a personal problem with somebody, you know. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm telling you, dude, I can talk hours. <laughs> what else you got? 
Uh, I don't have no format for this episode. We're just talking wrestling. Who's your favorite announcers? Ringside announcers. Ringside announcers. Uh, it starts and ends. You know where I'm going. Well, I was going to say, it, it begins and it, it sh- God damn it. It should begin and end with Lance Russell, which is who you were going to say. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, I have to put Lance Russell at two. Okay. Because I have to put Jim Ross at one. Yeah. All right. Okay. Jim Ross worked WCW, and he worked for Bill Watts at Mid-South, and JR worked a lot of places. Then he come to work for Vance in 93, but just because of the boom period of wrestling, which was the, the Monday Night Wars with WCW in the 90s and the Attitude Era, Jim Ross was a part of so many calls. Like, to this day, still, going back to my childhood, you know, Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen years old. There's so many Jim Ross moments right. attached or calls attached to moments in wrestling. You know, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Igloo, June twenty eighth, nineteen ninety eight, Hell in a Cell, Undertaker, Mankind. Taker throws Foley sixteen feet off top of the cell through the announcer's table. Good God Almighty! Good God Almighty! <laughs> that killed him. God is my witness. He's broken in half. Uh. You know, like uh, Austin, March March 29th, 1998, Fleet Center, Boston, Massachusetts, WrestleMania 14, Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Michaels drops the title to Austin because Austin's going to carry them to the promised land. You know, when Tyson was the guest enforcer for that match, okay? They were bringing Tyson in in 98, kind of a crossover, big money, big money deal. Tyson made a hell of a chunk. Right. But Tyson's affiliation got them a boost in ratings. Okay, when Tyson won the world title and he knocked out, uh, was it Spinks? Yeah. Okay, what'd they say? The Tyson era has begun, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, Stone Cold Stunner, Austin hooks Michael's leg. Here comes fucking Mike Tyson, one, two, three. They ring the bell. Gerald's like, the Austin era has begun. Stone Cold, Stone Cold, Stone Cold. Right. And then, you know, Shawn Michaels gets up to fucking try to punch Tyson. Tyson, which by the way, Sean's like, do not let this motherfucker hit me in the face, Vince, because I will be pissed. They told Tyson, just get the punch close enough, Sean will take the dive, which is what he did. Tyson, right hand, Jared goes, Tyson, 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 right hand, down goes Michaels. I mean, there, there's so many, there's so many calls. That, Iconic moments. Yeah. yeah, like he was uh, SummerSlam. 2000 or it might have been 99 Vince's son Shane McMahon's working a match with uh, Steve Blackman who was a hell of a hand which that's another wrestling term a hell of a hand just good mat mechanic right. guy could have a match with anybody never really got over as an entertainer you know but they're they've got some sort of spot they're doing and Shane Climbs up the side of the fucking Titantron. And Blackman follows him up. And they've got that goddamn kendo stick. And he's whacking him in the back. And Shane just falls back off of it. Plunges 60 feet into a cardboard filled and padded dumpster. That was the spot. He's like, oh my god! And 
He's got so many iconic calls. Um, Damn it, all these guys were stunt guys too, wasn't he? Vince's son Shane just liked to jump off shit because his dad would never let him be a wrestler. <laughs> so when he had the chance to go out and work a special match, he always had some sort of stunt. Right. Um. Yeah, I just, I mean, I'm thinking of more memorable Jar moments, but they're they're not coming I mean, here right now. Lawler, he, he announced. Lawler was the color guy. Uh, Lawler's always got talking about tits all the time. Puppies, puppies, <laughs> puppies with their little cute furry pink noses, which nipples, you know. Yeah. It's just, you know. Sorry, right. we're being honest. Right. Um. Just my mic a little bit here. Um. I'd probably put Lance Russell at two. Uh, Joey Styles deserves to be in it. For those of you that don't know Joey Styles, uh, at the time in the 90s, the three biggest promotions going was the WWF, WWE now. There was WCW. And then there was uh, the, the, the company with the such cult following that exists today. ECW, right. Extreme Championship Wrestling, based in Philadelphia. Philly is a bloodthirsty wrestling town. The ECW arena was a bingo hall during the day. Okay. The new it, now it's called the Twenty Three Hundred Arena or something. It was on the corner of Swanson and Rittner Street, which is infamous in wrestling. Uh, Joey Styles was the announcer. Uh, this guy called three-hour pay-per-view shows with no color commentator. He just called the entire show himself, which is a hell of a thing right. to do. Uh, and Joey Styles had just he his was always over the top. Oh my god! <laughs> That's what he did. Uh, and Joey could name the moves too. And right. you know it, it wouldn't be a oh what a maneuver like sometimes right. the other announcers and the other. Com- what a maneuver. No, Joey would say, Oh my god, single leg Boston crap, step over toe hold. Oh the Goga Plata. Right, you know, right. it wouldn't be a oh that's a hellacious choke with his foot there. No, it's a fucking Goga Plata. Like uh <laughs> you know anyways, Joey the Diamond Cutter. The diamond cutter. I, I just thought he popped in my diamond head. Diamond Dallas Page, yes. Diamond Cutter. Yes. GDP, you're gonna feel the burn. I don't know why he just popped in my head, but he didn't. Uh, I can remember watching him wrestle something. But the funny thing about all those guys that I mentioned, like Lance Russell and Jim Ross and Joey Styles, they all point to one guy as the best, and that would be the late, great Gordon Soley. Okay. Gordon Soley uh, did a lot of work for the NWA, and of course, uh, I don't, I don't remember how much if Gordon did any work in the late 80s when... <laughs> Jim Crockett Promotions and, and Mid-Atlantic branched out to become WCW and got away from the NWA's rule and thumb. That I don't remember. Like I said, there ain't much I don't know, but right. that I don't. But uh, they all, all those guys always point to they always point to Gordon Soley as the best. And Gordon Soley was. He was a hell of an announcer. And, you know, honestly, here's a hot take. Some people might not agree Uh I don't necessarily think the announcer should be part of the show. And I say that because I think the announcer is is there to get the talent over and get the product over. The announcer themselves are not there to get over, but if you're good at what you do, which by the way, get over is another wrestling term for those listening who might be listening who aren't wrestling fans and it's 
it's i don't even have to explain it get over means just get over that means you you're doing your job if your job is to get people to hate you they're hating you if your job is to get people to love you they're loving you if you're getting popular moving merchandise if you have signs in the crowd if you have people wanting to see you perform you're getting over right and in the process some announcers would get themselves over so i mean it's a catch-22 i don't think they should be as much a part of the show in that respect obviously they work for the company but you know uh lance russell and dave brown yeah are always going to hold a special spot in my heart because i like i said i was fortunate if i was born in 87 i know i tried to find that on youtube i could not find that uswa open anywhere yeah that's a great open man and i wanted to i did watch and i should have sent you this i did watch uh and I know we're going to cover a lot of Ric Flair stuff in this. We're an hour and ten minutes in, and I don't even feel like we've covered 5% of what I want to talk about. <laughs> so, like I said, we'll go until we shut the mic off or you say, like, fuck it, dude, we're done. But uh, the NWA didn't make a lot of stops through Memphis. But in the early 80s, they did. And uh, Jerry Lawler. Uh, I get so excited, dude. Lawler. Lawler right. wrestled Ric Flair in a Channel 5 studio. Ooh. Oh, yeah. It was it was impressive. See, Memphis would always want to do a title change. And the NWA, for whatever intents and purposes, was not keen on doing a title switch in Memphis. So they finally got pissed off, Lawler and Memphis, and they started working with Vern Gagne up in Minneapolis, the AWA. So they did title changes with the AWA. Instead, the, just the NWA... You gotta think. There, there's so many people sitting on that board of directors, a bunch of promoters, and they all want the champion to be the guy in their territory, which didn't always happen. Ric Flair carried the NWA umbrella in the '80s. Uh, of course, time to time, Dusty would take over. Right. Ronnie Garvin, Wildfire, Tommy Rich, Rich yeah. Barry Windham, you know, whatever. They just they weren't keen on doing a title switch in Memphis, which but the, but the the program, the brief stop in Memphis with uh, Flair and Lawler was something spectacular to see. You'll have to watch that sometime. Uh, uh, check it out. Oh, it was impressive, dude. I'm not even going to lie. I mean, I've got a few more questions here. Uh, hey, man, ask away. We're going to talk for a while, probably. Uh, let's see here. Where is uh, pro wrestling headed now? Where is it headed right uh, now? Uh, that's another in part due to the UFC. I mean, it's had well, to impact well, here, pro wrestling. It, yeah, the the and and this is an episode we we did the boxing thing, Tyson Ali, and we're still gonna do. I think like do an episode on on MMA. Um, you know, where's it headed now? Yeah, I mean, but but you're still gonna have people that like wrestling. I, I right, don't know where right. it's headed right now as much as. UFC. I know where it's headed right now because, uh, which is where you're not going to be as familiar with this as where I am. We're, we are in a crazy time in pro wrestling. Like, uh, like, like Kurt, I get passionate. Like, I love right. this sport. Absolutely. Like, I love this business. Like, um, in in this business, Folks, I can feel it right here. <laughs> yes. This business has always went in spurts with its popularity and its boom periods. Um, you know, the 60s, Gorgeous George comes in and wrestling starts to climb and then it hits the 80s and it's like a boom period. Right. 
Then in the late or the early nineties, it flatlines, right. and just the wrestling business completely falls on its ass. And then here you go, Night WCW Nitro comes in in ninety five, the ratings war, and then from like ninety seven, ninety eight on up to like oh three, oh four, it wrestling goes through the fucking roof like this boom period. And that to this day is why I will say that Austin is always the bigger star than Hogan. So getting off track for one for one minute here, there's always going to be the debate on who's the bigger star in pro wrestling. You know, some people say there is no wrestling without Hulk Hogan. That's true. There's also no future of wrestling without Steve Austin. And just for the simple fact of uh, what they were doing at that time in the 90s, who does not want to go to work? Sorry, Adam. Who does not want to go to work on Monday morning and kick their boss right in the testicles and hit him with a stone cold stunner? <laughs> That's what fucking made that thing draw because right. he was the ant. You know, McMahon played the villain, the, the evil owner, the evil boss. Who the fuck does not want to knock their boss in the grapefruits? <laughs> right? I right, mean, like, right. and people tuned in because they wanted to see what dude. My childhood in the 90s, one week, Vince McMahon's. He, they bought a $70,000 Corvette on a Monday morning at like 8.30 from whatever town they were in that night and then had Austin fill it with cement later that night <laughs> as part of a storyline. A $70,000 car. Austin uh, later said, he said, I almost told Vince, don't let me do this to this car. I will take it home. Like, uh, that's, just, you know. That's crazy. Vince McMahon pissed his pants live on TV. Everybody thought that was a gimmick. Gimmick means fake, fixed. Right. Uh-uh. They thought that was a gimmick. Vince literally pissed himself on TV. Austin pulled out a toy gun on the air and put it to his head. Can't do that shit nowadays. Back in the nineties, you could. Right. He literally pissed his pants. <laughs> Didn't know that. He, you know, so, but I didn't lost track of where, where we were at. We were talking. Right. I was talking where about was Austin. It? Where was the okay? So where's it headed? headed? We're headed towards another boom period. Because now you've got this other company that's been around for about a year and a half now called AEW, All Elite Wrestling. And the stuff that they're doing, they're, they're, they're a lot of young independent talents coming in, a lot of guys leaving the WWEs coming in. You've got this other company called Impact Wrestling, which used to be called TNA, which used to be part of the NWA rebrand in the early 2000s. Uh, Wrestling is still big in Japan. You've got New Japan Pro Wrestling. You've got Major League Wrestling. You've got Ring of Honor. Like, so it's not dying. It's it, it. I would say for the last few years, it's been on what I like to call life support, and that's a hot take. Anybody right. out there that's a wrestling fan, challenge me on that. I say it's been kind of a dying thing, but there's a lot of shit going on right now. In the last six months to a year, wrestling's kind of, I think, on its way to a boom period. WWE ratings are tanking. For the last 20 years, they've been pretty much the only game in town. Right. In the mid, in the mid 2000s to the early 20 teens, TNA kind of pushed them a little bit. NWA, TNA, and then it became TNA, and now it's Impact. They pushed them, but they never got close to them. Let's be right. honest. But WWE ratings have tanked so bad lately. So they're they're releasing all this talent, and the guy running the company, Vince's right hand man now. This motherfucker is I don't know his name is Nick Nick Khan, and I I every time I see his face, I just want to like drop a turd on it or something like. 
but it's it's given the impression that they're going to do a total overhaul of what they've got. And this past, uh, just last night, their ratings for Friday Night SmackDown pulled in the highest ratings of any WWE programs pulled in in about six months. Uh, there you go, man. So, I mean, like there might is. be a resurgence <clears throat> coming. Right, excuse me. I don't know, but where I mean, is it headed right now? Wait. Yes. It's, it's looking good. What like, this is an exciting does, time. What impact does the UFC have on it? I mean, do you think right now, I don't think none. None? None at all. Like UFC, honestly, um, you haven't heard a lot about mixed martial arts lately. I mean, no. I'm sure they're still doing their business. They're right, gonna, UFC's right. going to make money despite itself. Right. I don't know where they're at right now, but I don't think anything they're doing is have any bearing on pro wrestling. Okay. I'm just curious. I mean, there for a while, I mean, they were kind of hand in hand. You know. Who's the wrestler? Any wrestler can be any, put the most asses in the seat. <laughs> That, I got you know a, where I got, I got a, the I, I asses got, in seats come from? Where? Wrestling. Wrestling. I mean, that's what? become like your favorite catchphrase. I, it, I like it. I mean, the who who in wrestling know, right the, now can put the asses well, I mean, in seats? The overall, the, the wrestler to put the most. I mean, the biggest any com- impact. It don't matter what company, just don't any matter, guy. Don't matter. They, they, well, they literally put asses in the seats. I blew up Facebook two weeks ago because uh, CM Punk. A guy I've watched since 2003 uh, came back to wrestling after seven years off. He he was fired by WWE on his wedding day in 2014. He had reached a breaking point with them, and he walked out. They terminated him on his wedding day three months later, and he took seven years off of pro wrestling, and he came back. And, and you want to you know why this is big? He sold out the United Center in Chicago where the Bulls played, right? The statue of Michael Jordan's out front. Right. Two weeks ago, or maybe it was last week. Two weeks ago or last week, Friday. So, you know, whatever. I can't remember the date. <clears throat> he sold out that building full of CM Punk fans because he's from Chicago. He sold out that building on just a rumor he was going to be there. Really? Nobody knew for sure if he was going to be there because they kept teasing and everything. I mean, they never said he officially signed with AEW. Is it going to go Hulkamania? Ah, well, I mean, he's got a he's he's got a cult following. He does. He's a he's a straight edge wrestler. The whole no drugs, no alcohol, no tobacco. Uh, He put asses in seats. Honestly, if they would. They released Bray Wyatt. If Bray goes to AEW, that's going to be big. That could put asses in seats. Honestly, <laughs> what would put asses in seats? And, and I hate to be a homer for my childhood. <laughs> you have The Rock come back for a match at WrestleMania. Okay. Fun fact. The Rock smells something cooking. <laughs> fun fact. When I was out for my foot for two weeks, and I told you this. I started working on something on my computer. I was going to release a bonus episode. I was going to podcast at night because I was bored. I was at home right, with, a, right. my, with my bummed up foot for two weeks, remember? Right. So I, I, I had this thing out, and I'm still working on it, where The Rock comes out. They think he's going to make an announcement, and, and, I, and I'm typing paragraphs as The Rock, and they think he's going to... Re- you know, he's leaving Hollywood, going back to wrestling, and then they're asking, well, you don't think you can wrestle at 45 years of age, do you? 
think you compete with WWE talent? And The Rock's like, I didn't say I was going to be a talent. Oh, so you're going to be helping the young stars? So are you going to be on the road at WWE? I never said I was going to WWE. So basically, The Rock's like creating his own company. And I'm, I wrote down all the stars I'm signing. And I'm pulling a Vince McMahon poaching talent like he did in the 80s. And I haven't finished it. It's real cool, nerdy shit. So I'll have to show you. But like, but I don't know. There's, there's a lot of guys that could put asses in the seat. All right. It's funny to see you use that. Well, I mean, I'm just kind of curious. I mean, I, like I say, it's been early 90s since I'm... Since the days was, of Hulk Hogan and yes. Sid Justice and the Macho oh, yeah. Man Randy uh, Savage. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hexall Jim uh, Duggan. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's the guys that stick out my mind. Alpha and Seeker, the Wild Samoans, the Savages. Yes. Um... And Andre the Giant. And right at that time, I guess, like you said, it was a downward yeah. swing. Right kinda, it kind of was, yeah. And that's kind of where I lost out on the wrestling. Of course, like I said, I got cable and ESPN and other things. You were too busy lip raising children yes, and loving yes. and life. Life. Yeah. Coal mining. Coal mining, yeah, for sure. I mean, you think about what your retirement would be right now if you're still at that coal mine? Uh, be pretty nice. You'd be able to buy three of these metropolises, right? Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, but purchase some of the farm, maybe. We don't need to get into family details over a podcast, but uh, yeah. I have my own viewpoints on your family, and, and, and yeah, well, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a black sheep. <laughs> Sometimes the black sheep are the best ones, though. Uh, yeah. Oh well, it is what hey. it is. You want you want to have a little fun with the the few listeners we have? Sure. Right now, the only listeners we have is Doyle and Luck. Luck, <laughs> Luck usually lays beside us, but even he's tired of this crap. He went over there. <laughs> what were you doing earlier? You were quizzing me. Oh, you, you kept playing all these oh, interesting yeah. things, and, and it took me a minute to figure yeah. out the theme. The Royal Rumble in and then, order. And Winners. then what did I start doing? After I got to like a certain year, I started rambling off yeah. everyone oh, yeah. that won yes. the next year, yep. didn't I? He did, yes, for sure. Is that not nerdy shit? I, I don't know. Oh, I'm going to applaud myself, <laughs> yeah, yeah, though. Yeah. That's yeah. Some nerdy shit. One or two. <laughs> One or two, I was a little. Well, oh, there he is. He heard us year. talking about him. Luck, yeah. come over here and say hi. Come here, come here. Poor old fella. He's an old man, Kurt. Yeah, he is. Luck. He's a good boy. Luck. Did you go outside and mow grass? Yeah. In the dark? He turned it light on. I had a night vision light on. Got night vision? (laughs) He turned it light on. Oh, that light. The basketball light. Uh, The bar started running weird, so I quit right in the whole yard. It's cooler. It is a lot cooler. And they, they advise, they, the advisors have said, wait till it gets not do your outdoor activities. So. Yes. So what are you going to do now? Play 2K where we're podcasting? I'm going to do a little bit on 2K and then I'm probably going to take a shower because I just look kind of three hands out of here. Oh, boy. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> All right, Kurt. Let's <laughs> Kurt, you know what we should do? What's that? Plug a sponsor. Yes. Uh-oh. Oh, there we go. I don't know. I just, at this point tonight, the only thing the laptop's doing is sponsored rundowns, and it's charging the uh, recorder. So, <laughs> so you want to plug a sponsor? Yeah, let's plug a sponsor. They keep saying they're going to make our logos, and 
I think I might make. I I don't ask if they'll make us a hat. That'd be cool. To, anyways, uh, check out Main Street Designs LLC in Jasper. Uh, they specialize in laser engraving and direct garment printing. They also do vinyl decals, baby blankets, and all kinds of cool personalized stuff for you or your business. Message them on Facebook. Give them a call at 812-661-7765 or 812-661-7488. That's Main Street Designs LLC. They're really good, nice people. They uh, share our podcast stuff all the time, which... And uh, I appreciate that. And I think I'm going to get with them. I'd like to get a hat, man. That'd be cool. Yeah. That way I wouldn't have to see you wear that ridiculous Steelers hat all the time. <laughs> I just washed It's clean. I just washed it, it's by clean. the way. This Steelers hat, my God, people. You ought to see how dirty this well, thing I, was. They could see it on our, our steel toes and scoreboards. Yeah, yeah, it was very dirty. 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 Yes, it was dirty. Shout out to my little El Salvadorian buddy, one of my Jose. best friends at work. Jose. I won Jose. Hey. <laughs> To know Jose is to love Jose. Yes. You guys are loving. He's it's very dirty. Migo, that's so dirty. You're be, so dirty. I'd be lazy today. Yeah, he say I'd be lazy today. He's, rubbing his belly. He is such a small little fellow, yeah. but that belly on him is impressive. That is a Modelo and Corona guy. Uh, great guy. Great guy. Do anything for anybody. Yes, yes, absolutely. Worked on your car. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I'm already paying him a favor. He's gonna be hanging drywall here for long. I told him I'd come down. And I got all brawn and no brain. I can help hang some drywall. Neither one of us got any brains. That's well. why we're podcasting and still working a full time job because we're not successful at it yet. Okay, so uh, yeah, Main Street Designs LLC. Give them a check out. Give them a shout out. Give them a phone call. Whatever you want to do. Okay, back to pro wrestling. We're an hour and a half in, and I don't know. I could keep going two and a half more hours. I don't know. We'll see what we do. Wait up. I'm sitting here. I'm thinking things to ask you. Ask me. Way. I mean, I'll ad lib. We'll talk. Ask me. You got something well, to ask I, me? I got. I'm gonna have to conjure up another one here. Well, I mean, we could always. By the way, so at Kurt's house, when we sit, we sit in the kitchen, and there's a window unit right beside us. So we have to turn it off because otherwise, all you're gonna hear is. Yes. That that was me blowing in the mic. How's that feel in your ears right now? <laughs> so we turn it off. So I got this neat little button or I hit that they never know we're gone. Oh, yeah. That was good pizza though. Yeah. Hey, we're back. We're we're back. You guys didn't even know you were you were phased out for about an hour. <laughs> I had to get my two K fixed in. Yeah. I watched Kurt Dole play a little NBA 2K, and I was eBay shopping wrestling stuff for the studio, which is not even finished, not even built. (laughs) We're passing around a community cigarette lighter. Kurt just told me, you you might have to take over talking pretty soon. My voice might be losing it. It's fading. Yeah, but when you're this close, you ain't got to be that loud. Right. It's got to crack a window I don't, or something. I don't even remember where the fuck we were. We were just talking wrestling. That's all we were doing. Yeah, right, right. You, you were asking been, me questions. We might have been. Uh, you're crossing off every one you do. Yeah, I mean, I've about been through all of that I had so far. Where is... Yeah. I think the last thing you said was MMA and... Who's putting ass? Or was it who's putting asses in the seats? Yeah, who's putting asses in the seats? We did that one. 
He just was scraping at his damn... <laughs> Luck is... <laughs> Spoiled. Spoiled. He's a creature of habit. Yes. Dole, you know, like, a month and a half, two months ago when you were gone on your date, he was paranoid walking the floor where you were gone. Oh, yeah. They don't like that. That was the night me and Kurt did the bonus episode and I was here till like 4 a.m. He was pacing the floor till almost 2.30 in the morning before he finally gave up on you. I'm not, I'm not joking. He was. Oh, he definitely is. And he kept looking over there at your chair, too. He kept walking by it looking at it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah okay, me anyway. He's a good boy. He's a good boy. For those that... He's, don't know anything about Lucky. He's my dog. He's Kurt's best friend. He's he's 13 years old, so he's he is a fat, fat, <laughs> fat boy. But he's a man after my own heart. He lays down to eat his yeah. food like there ain't a fat man in the world that wouldn't love to do that. He's yeah. a man after my own heart. Uh, he's got bad hips. Cause he's the size of a goddamn doghouse. He's pretty good size. He, he might be pushing 100 pounds. He's over 100 pounds. I'm he telling you. He's way over 100 pounds. That's a 150 pound dog or better. I don't know about 150. Oh, dude, you put his big ass on a scale. <laughs> he's. They can't get you on one though. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can weigh him like they weigh me. They weigh me on the shipping docks at work. <laughs> they do. My dad tells me to go back there and step on every time. Been, he's been the best dog ever. I mean, uh, he ain't no certain kind. He's a mixed breed, but some might call it a mutt. I prefer to call it just <laughs> luck. Yep. He's kind of a unique looking dog. He, all white, with two brown spots on him. And he likes to get his butt rubbed. <laughs> Every man likes to get their butt rubbed. Hey. All right. I like getting my butt rubbed. <laughs> Look at him. He knows we're talking about Oh, him. yeah. He's, he's pretty he's pretty shrewd for a dog. I mean, on some things. Some <laughs> things he's, we could do a whole episode on love. Yeah, just about. He's a You star human. of the show right now, he's ain't you, He's human in some ways. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, we better yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, <laughs> let's... Let's pick off here with Segwave that hour break. Fuck me. What, you got anything else you want to ask me? I'm oh, sure. I'm sure I'll think of something here. Okay, well, what else What else haven't you asked me? I don't feel like you've did everyone. Uh, I had Lance Russell. Lance Russell. Dave Brown. I was going to ask you about that. Which one I like better? Yeah. I think you answered that earlier. Oh, uh, yeah. Lance. Dave was more popular when I was a kid. Lance yeah, was... Yeah. Three years of study. Favorite announcers of all time. Would yeah. Where's pro wrestling headed? That's all I've got so far. I mean, these here were just all at the cuff, too. I mean, what? To kind of, I'm trying to help paint a picture for those that don't. Yeah. I have a deep connection with the wrestling. Who was your favorite wrestler? My favorite wrestler? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you don't Dutch watch it. Mantel. Like Dirty Dutch. I got uh, my picture taking Dirty Dutch twice. I was a kid in 93, 94. I was six or seven. 
USWA come and did a house show. They did it at Forest Park High School in the, the old gym. Uh, I went to see one too. Uh, I got my picture taken with Dirty Dutch, and then Legends of Wrestling, April 2010, a month before my first training seminar. And it's on my old Facebook. I, I showed it to you. Yep. Got my picture taken with Dutch, and I told him, I said, last time I got my picture taken with me, you put my hat on your head. I said, back then I wasn't that big. I said, believe it or not, the hat was bigger than me. I said, now <laughs> my butt cheeks are bigger than the hat. <clears throat> Arn Anderson, another. I mean, I, I don't know if I got one favorite wrestler. Arn Anderson's got his own podcast. Yeah, that's what, that's what, what I told saying? you. I listen, I, podcasts dominate my listening nowadays. Arn's got one, comes out every Tuesday. It's just called Arn. And it's got the four horsemen, got the the sign, the four fingers. And to hear this guy, who was another guy that protected the business so much, to see Arn break kayfabe and the stories he talked about. uh, Man, that four horsemen. Yeah. They were... The original four horsemen. Yep. Ole, Arn, Tolly, and Rick. They guys were bad to the bone. Arn was so believable, too. Like, he, he just... My God, when he said he was going to spinebuster you and put you through the mat, you, I mean, and he looked like a spinebuster is like one of my favorite moves. For those that don't know, you kind of pick a guy off the mat. You got your hands wrapped around both of his legs on the outside of both of his legs, and you just spin like a 180, and you just plant him back first into the mat. And there's dozens of variations but nobody hit it like Arn and just he would explode on these guys which sounds kind of kind of weird but <laughs> I mean, he explode on these guys oh, okay. he just I mean explosive nature right uh, I've just thought of another question or another what's that uh, let's talk about wrestling Why, moves wrestling moves yes uh, we, we did the diamond the diamond cutter, cutter earlier I mean, uh, every every wrestler has their thing. It seems like my favorite thing has always been the super kick, just because it comes out of nowhere. I mean, when they just jump off the floor and take both feet, yeah, that's a drop kick going. Yeah, drop kick. It's funny to see the big guys. Paul White, who wrestled as the Giant and the Big Show, that son of a bitch was seven feet tall, five hundred pounds. He'd get up on the top rope, jump off with a drop kick. That was an impressive sight to see. Uh, I always like when they sling each other into the ropes. Wore a size 24 double E boot. Can you imagine that thumping you in the cranium? No, no, absolutely not. I mean, I always kind of (coughs) lean toward it. It it seemed like the tag team used more of the throw against the rope momentum type thing. I like that. Tag team wrestling is such a dead thing nowadays, and that breaks my heart. Like, there's always going to be tag team matches because there's always going to be tag titles, but it's just tag wrestling is not what it used to be back in the day. Now, there's younger guys that have done a lot of good and and brought it in. Like 10, 15 years ago, uh, they're still together now. There's a team called the Motor City Machine Guns. Chris Saban and Alex Shelley did a lot of work in TNA. They made it fun. Um, the things the Rockers back in the early 90s Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty used to do I like them guys yeah the Rockers Uh, yeah I like wrestling yeah 
<laughs> I got to admit. I mean, I, you don't get that excited, but yet you've been kind of excited. Back in the day, I was, like I say, Lance Brown. Lance Russell, Dave Brown, Sundays after dinner. Every Sunday. Was, uh, and they do uh, highlights from uh, all the co- different places they wrestled. I don't remember what year this was or who was involved um i honestly can't even remember if i seen this as a young kid growing up or if just through my years of wrestling research and study and constant tape watching and youtube i don't remember who it was uh jerry lawler was on top booking uh for those that don't know booking is the booker that is the guy that's basically making the matches it's the guy that's you know running creative of course in a corporation like the wwe vince mcmahon everything runs through him right but you've got a guy that's the head booker that's the guy that's in charge of the storylines and the angles and the matches uh jerry lawler and jerry jarrett both running the memphis territory uh they would take turns one would be in charge six months and the other one lawler was in charge during his six month period and there was some I don't remember who the fuck was involved uh, but the police came down to the Channel 5 studio in Memphis they were going to take a guy in on a felony assault charge and uh, they're like hey this this guy is getting ready to go to the ring you're not getting in there you're not going to ruin our TV time no we're you know Memphis you know city police we're, we're going in there well, if you guys go in there right now, we're putting it on camera. No, you're not. Well, this is our TV <coughs> studio, and if you're right. going to take him now. So they came. God damn it, I wish I could remember who it was. And if I'd waste time to Google, I could figure it out. But they, they went on TV to take this guy out on a felony assault charge in real life. Well, this is how quick they are to, to adaptation and wrestling and adapting to change. The guy who was... A heel he was working as a heel cut this promo while the cops are putting him in handcuffs placing him under arrest and flipped it to make it look like the baby face had right. this guy arrested and in turn they sold a shitload more tickets for the next monday night at the mid-south coliseum in memphis I, so it's just i think i remember something about that oh man i can't yeah uh, what year we're taking oh, fuck i mean it's i don't remember what year it was or early 90s late 80s seems like I remember that's good story. stuff man yeah quick and there's been things in wrestling like uh, one of the things we're going to do on this upcoming uh, wrestling podcast that I'm starting with these other two guys and they both live in Illinois one's in uh, one's in Chicago and the other one's in uh, South Central Illinois so uh, you know we 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 all kind of grew up in three different eras. Like I would say, I was like the the '90s and 2000s era. This other guy was the '80s. This other guy was the '70s. So uh, they're both workers, and you know, I, I hate calling myself a worker. You gotta understand. In 2010, I went through a handful of seminars, like I said, and uh, I kept working. I kept getting better. Like lead me to a question after you get done here. Okay. So we were we were heading into 2010 in July of 2010 or so thereabouts. That's when I started at Wapaka Foundry in Tell City. Back then we were working 12 straight 12s, like I've told you a million times. We got four days off a month. The company that I was training with, 
what's called MECW, Main Event Championship Wrestling, based out of Evansville. They did a lot of work down in Henderson and Owensboro. They were, they had a show coming up down in Candleton, Indiana, at okay. the at the high school gym, Candleton Bulldogs. And we had kept pushing towards if I felt comfortable enough. This was going to be when I had my first match. Basically, I was just going to go in. I was going to be greener than shit. Wrestling term. And, and that's a real life term. Everybody knows what green means. You're inexperienced. Right. I was going to go in, get the shit kicked out of me, be so happy that I was probably going to you know, have a broken nose or missing teeth. I was going to count ceiling tiles, count the lights on the ceiling, which is a way of saying I was going to get pinned. And I took that job about a month before. And, uh, you know... Thousand over a thousand dollars a week, bring home after taxes and insurance, working all the time, and I just put the wrestling thing on the back burner. What was going to be your stage name? <laughs> see, I see, you can't, you can't uh-uh. ask me that because uh, at the time, there, I, I, I didn't even have. What a, do you mean I can't ask you? That? I didn't even have a gimmick lined up or a persona. Hell, you I was just happy. In your mind. Well, at first I was going to call myself Pig because I was short and fat, looked like a little pig, and I was going to go to the ring going oink 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 oink. I don't know. <laughs> I call myself the peanut butter guy. I don't know. I, I mean, you had to have something in mind. I knew, I knew because I'd been putting in all this work. You know, at the, but you gotta think though. At that time, I was working for Hank Minky and OFS Brand Styline, and I was working part time at Home Depot and Jasper. So I was still working two jobs, like I am now in real life. You know, right. working two jobs, but I had a lot of time putting these seminars and blue collar man. Yeah, <laughs> thinking, and all I knew at the time was that. I wanted to work heel. I always wanted to be a heel. When I would create myself and put it in all the wrestling games as a kid growing up now, I was always a heel. Because to me, and, and I hate saying this, to me it's easier to be the bad guy. You don't have to think about it. When you right. are playing the babyface role, you have to be careful of the things you right. do and say. Right. But if you are a heel, you can take out all your frustrations at the day. Like if, if you were traveling working for Vince, work for them guys, if the airline loses your luggage and you're pissed off and you don't freak out and realize you can get to the ring that night, you could flip out on the fans. <laughs> you know, you could look at that little family in the front row going, God, if that was if that was my kid, I'd have shoved him back up my <laughs> vagina. Like, you know, you could be like, all oh, you women out there, you can't touch me, especially you, you fat one sitting right there like Ric Flair would do all right. the time. Rick Rude used to come to the ring and say, I look great. I feel even better. I can make a burlap sack look like a cashmere sweater. All the men want me, want to be me and all the ladies want me, but none of you can have me because you're too fat to be with me. Like, you know, <laughs> you can take out your frustration. Right. I knew that I wanted to work heel just because I loved to be an asshole. I loved to be a pompous, <laughs> arrogant ass. And I, it was so much easier. You have to work harder to pull off a babyface role. And oh, yeah. To, in the wrestling business, there's terms called bleeding heel and bleeding face. If you bleed heel, you you might be a good guy or an in-between guy, but the things you do and say kind of make you lean towards that way. Vice versa, if you're, you know, the things you could make you lean towards it. I bled heel in real life with the things I do and say, so why not incorporate that into my character? Did I have a gimmick in mind? No. Was I? I probably should have been doing my homework on that, but I was so happy to be, you know, training, right. and then you know I was you know working two jobs. So to to say what my name was going to be, uh, I probably would have come up with a gimmick name anyways instead of wrestling under Jared Atkins. Uh, one of the names 
Uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I like the name the Demon because I was an Undertaker guy, so I had the idea of being the illegitimate son of the Undertaker, <laughs> being the Undertaker's Dude. bastard child, the Demon. But that never came to fruition. But uh, I don't know. That would have been fun. Well, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, but. I don't even remember where we we get on so many sidetracks here. We were talking about something, and then I was talking about me wrestling. Oh, favorite moves and and yeah. I just you know and gimmicks and. I mean, and, I, th- I think it's suplex. You know, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts did a DDT. Nowadays, guys in the ring use a DDT all the time. Nobody sell. That's a, that's another issue that that's going on in, in wrestling. Um, that, oh, I know how we kind of got there. We were talking about this other wrestling podcast, and uh, one of the things we're going to talk about and cover is just selling. Uh, selling is exactly what it says. You sell the storyline, you sell the character, you sell the moves, and there is so much high speed flippity floppity wrestling nowadays. High spots. Guys want to do high spot after high spot after high spot. Nobody wants to sell anything anymore. Nobody wants to story tell. Like you're talking about moves, DDT, 1987-1988, Jake Roberts hit a DDT on a guy, which basically he just applies a standing front face lock and just falls to his ass while he drives their face in the mat. He hit the DDT. Guys were on the shelf. They were injured. Right. These guys hit a DDT now. To, fuck, they don't even sell a DDT. They'll get right back up after it. They'll, they'll take a fucking... Back in the day, a choke slam was, oh, my God, this guy's <laughs> leaving the ring on a stretcher. You see three or four choke slams and matches from guys that are bigger guys now. Nobody sell, nobody sells anymore. Uh, you get blasted with a chair shot across the back. Right. Not just not the face, but just across the back. You're down on the mat for minutes. Guy yep. gets hit in the back with a chair shot now. In two or three minutes, he's up like uh, what? That was, a, that was a big thing here for a few years, wasn't it? <laughs> stuff going on outside the ring. My favorite weapon of all time in pro wrestling has been and will always be the steel chair. You've got so many foreign objects. Or back in the early 90s when WCW, which was owned by Ted Turner, who was the creator and the owner of CNN, (coughs) so they wanted to be politically correct. So for a while, they were not allowed to call them foreign objects. They called them international objects, which was the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. Be that as it may, the greatest foreign object of all time has always been the steel chair or the guy reaches in his tut, tights, lifts up his sack. Sorry, lifts up his sack <laughs> and pulls out brass knucks. Scrotum, that is. Right? Scrotum. Yeah. Not safe for work. Brass knucks. Yeah. I mean, uh, there was about the stories of guys. Razor blades in their boots. Okay, here, here the you blood, go. The blood. I love, I love this. I, I was so excited when I thought I was going to start my wrestling journey. I was going to blade every match I had. I didn't care. Like to blood and pro wrestling go hand in hand, like peanut butter and jelly. And it kills me today that there's not that much bloodletting going on in wrestling. Right. Now they have to save it for special sir. When you're a kid, especially in your era. When it was a little more real, whereas yeah. my era in the early 90s, it was more cartoonish. You wanted to go to those matches. You wanted to see the big feud yeah. in the steel cage. You wanted to see guys get ripped, ripped open, up, yeah. buckets and buckets of blood. 
Uh, well, I mean, it certain, kind of tells you who's winning, you know? Certain guys wore, wore the blood better than anybody. Ric Flair. Ric Flair. Uh, Steve Austin. Yeah. Ric Flair, to get himself to bleed like that, he's openly admitted in the past he used to swallow half a bottle of, or a whole bottle of aspirin and Tylenol and drink like a 12-pack of beer because, you know, alcohol thins the blood. Right. So that shit would just run out like water. And, uh, yeah, a lot of guys, there's, there's two ways to get color in the wrestling business. There's the hard way where you legitimately, accidentally or on purpose, it don't matter, you accidentally bust the guy open or, you know, the razor blade. Now, days that it's got safer in the PG era of wrestling, uh, I mean, they were clever. Sometimes there's there is blood capsules, but they were clever at hiding these blades and so on. And so some forth. guys would hide them inside their mouth, which always made me nervous because if you take an accidental elbow, right. you're gonna cut yourself. Right. But most of the time, it's fucking right there in the wrist, the wrist tape. tape. You cut the end of it off, stick it in the wrist tape. You pull it out after you take a shot. You go ahead, you swipe it, put it on your finger, flick it out on the mat. Nobody sees the difference. A referee comes up to check on the guy. Picks it up. No, oh, he'll no. kick it right out oh. with his foot. Okay. So. Uh, that's pretty cool. I mean, I didn't know all that stuff. I was kind of wondering. Nowadays, sometimes they, they do the blood capsule thing every once in a while, which right. is cheesy as fuck. Right. I hate it. Somebody will hand them a blood capsule and they'll crush it and put it on. Or It's kind of like the equivalent of uh, people going to the NASCAR race to see the pile up. I realize I'm just giving away the secrets. Like, I hate people that do that. Like, you know, 1980-something, you know who John Stossel is? I don't know. Okay, John Stossel. You remember 2020 ABC? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. John Stossel was this arrogant, pompous asshole. And if you ever hear this, John Stossel, you can sue me for uh, slander and libel. You are a fucking piece of shit for what you did to the pro wrestling business. And I don't care if you hear this. Please, God, oh, please let you hear this, Stossel. You are a worthless piece of shit. And that is why everybody has done their damnedest to try to out you from unsuccessfully I guess for many things. John Stossel was a reporter for ABC and uh, 2020 and he thought he was doing the world favor because he'd run all these exposés on um, companies and, and consumer products that were lying to the American public and he would call people out on phony and fictitious bullshit and he thought he was doing the Lord's work by the way, for a third time, Stossel, you are a fucking piece of shit. Uh, anyway, so he... Something caught his attention, and he decided to turn his nose up at professional wrestling. Big mistake. So, there was a guy in Wrestling Lure, and uh, I think I mentioned this in the bonus episode. For those of you who go check the archive, shout out Steel Toes and Scoreboards. Go check us out on Google Podcasts, Spotify. We got clips up on YouTube. Um, there was a guy, an old wrestler, who thought he was something when he really wasn't. It was a guy by the name of Eddie Mansfield. Uh, real good-looking, heartthrob type, white meat baby face, blah, 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 blah. He was mad because he thought he was owed some money and I, I don't uh, 
I don't remember who, what territory he was running in, who he was working for. It was somewhere down south. And uh, the promoter owed him some money. And Mansfield was adamant about getting paid and getting paid more than what he deserved. Which, if you're not drawing any people in, if, you know, I'm pretty sure the cards stack, but your name's not one that's bringing anybody in. I mean, you might live your own gimmick, live your own ego. That happens a lot in this sport. But anyways, Mansfield was in an argument with this guy. And this was about the time when John Stossel was getting ready to do his expose on wrestling. And he couldn't find a way in because back then in the 80s, kayfabe was still a thing. Nobody, like I always said, nobody broke kayfabe. So Stossel finds word of trying to get in. And I don't know how the hell to this day I've never put two and two together on how Eddie Mansfield found out that Stossel was looking. I just think it was creative. He called, I, I believe this day, he called ABC. So St- St- uh, Mansfield calls John Stossel and says, hey, I got a story for you. You're trying to break the secrets about wrestling. Come meet with me. And they set up a ring somewhere. And this reporter, John Stossel, got in the ring. And Mansfield got in there with him. And Mansfield presents proceeded to reveal the secrets and the thing they wanted the most was about the blood and Mansfield sat there on camera recorded you can go to YouTube and you can look at it pulled the blade out of his wrist tape did the blade job just slashed open his forehead right there and the blood started pouring and they got it all on tape so then, right then, Mansfield was pretty much outed out of the wrestling business. To the best of my knowledge, I don't think he ever worked for anybody ever again. Uh, he, you know, you, you're, this is supposed to be your family. You don't fuck your family. You don't fuck the boys. You don't ruin the secrets that's going to put people out of business and return pro wrestling back to the carnival scene where it started and make it a circus sideshow attraction. You can see how passionate I get about yes, this. for sure. So... <clears throat> John Stossel decides he's going to be a fair guy, which he's not. Stossel, you're an inconsiderate prick if you hear this. Uh, Stossel decides that he's going to give a chance to clear the air and see if this is all bullshit. So he calls Vince McMahon. And I got, God damn it, I'm trying to. This is 86, 87, 88, 89, somewhere in there. I'm, I'm. If I wasn't a, if I wasn't still swimming in testicles, I was a couple years out of the hoo ha, somewhere in that time frame. So somewhere around 86, 88, 89. So Stossel goes up. They're doing a show. I think they're doing it either at Madison Square Garden in New York City, or they're doing it at the old Boston Garden in Boston. I don't remember where. And uh, one of the most ruthless, hardest hitting, stiffest guy. When you work stiff in the wrestling business. You work stiff, you work snug. That means your shit looks real because sometimes you're accidentally potatoing a guy. Potato means you're making real contact, and it's it does more than sting. One of the stiffest, snuggest, most intimidating guys out there was a guy by the name of Dr. D, Dave Schultz. Big, tall, muscular, blonde, nasty heel. Everybody hated him. The story goes... And by the way, before I go any further, 
we talked about this in the bonus episode. There's there's a great show now for people that don't even like pro wrestling, but you want to know understand the craziness of the wrestling business. There's a show on Vice TV called Dark Side of the Ring, and this was an episode featured on that. So for most people that didn't know the story, this would be a great explanation of it. Of course, you know, if you're a wrestling nerd like me, you knew about this long before this episode of Dark Side of the Ring came out. Vince McMahon, I don't know what the fuck he was... (laughs) He said, hey, there's a reporter out here asking questions about the wrestling business. Why don't you go talk to him? If you're going to send anybody at that time to talk, you don't send Dave Schultz. So Stossel decides to get cute, and he asks, he comes out and asks him, so is it true that wrestling's fake? And Schultz slapped the fuck out of him. On camera. <laughs> on camera, yeah. On camera. Fuck, hit him so hard with a slap. Stossel claimed thousands of dollars in damage. Says to this day his ears still ring. Said we had a newborn daughter, and when she would cry, the sensitivity from Dave Schultz's smack would hurt my ears, and he sued him for thousands of dollars of damages. And John Stossel, I hate your guts. Didn't know what his name the guy hit him. Did he ask him, would that feel fake to you at the time? Yeah, that's what he said to him. That yeah, feel fake? Yeah, that, that feel fake. Schultz is like, I just gave him a love tap. <laughs> of course, Schultz is 280, 300 pounds, and Stossel is like a buck 40. But you ask stupid questions. Yeah. Don't come up to a guy in their line of work and say, wrestling's fake, isn't it? And, he's, and of course, they ended up getting fired. Well, what, what made this even funnier was months later... Uh, Richard Belzer, for those that know Richard Belzer, probably know Richard Belzer from uh, Law and Order. Belzer kind of asked the same thing on national TV, and Hulk Hogan put him in a sleeper hold and actually choked him unconscious. But Hogan wasn't going to lose his job because he was the golden goose of pro wrestling and Vince's golden child. So, you know, but Dr. Schultz got fired. But, uh, yeah. I just want to say for the fifth time, John Stossel, <laughs> I hate your guts. <laughs> if any of you take anything away from this episode, go check out Dark Side of the Ring, the slap heard around the world. Dr. David Schultz slaps John Stossel. John Stossel's a piece of shit. Eddie Mansfield, um, I hope you get syphilis. You're a piece <laughs> of crap. So I might might stop plugging sponsors. This might get a little too personal here. You're having fun with this, oh, aren't yeah. you? Oh, yeah. See, I get excited when we do baseball because that's when your passion comes alive. And then I gave you a Steelers episode. Right. And I kept telling you you were going to give me a wrestling episode. But hey. now I think you're having just as much fun hey. as I am. Steve Austin or Hulk Hogan. Okay, here we go. So I touched on this earlier. Are you asking me who I like better yeah. or who's the bigger yeah, star? I mean... Well, that, that's okay. You're asking me both. So you know, we do this at work all the time. Who I to, like better? It'd be like Kirby Puckett Steve, or Kirby Puckett or you yeah. say you had me at Kirby Puckett. Right, right. We just did an episode on Kirby Puckett. Yes, absolutely. My baseball mate was Kirby Puckett. That's pretty cool. Okay, who I like better? Austin or Holcomb? Austin. Who's the bigger star? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> the two biggest boom periods in wrestling were both headed by these guys. These two guys put together, nobody sold more pay-per-views, nobody headlined more pay-per-views, nobody sold out more live events, nobody sold more merchandise, nobody sold more tickets. 
So who is more instrumental to their period? Who is the bigger store overall? You can't have one without the other. Uh, I just think for what I grew up in, I, I believe they say Hogan put wrestling on the map. He did. But Austin took it to nowhere. Without Steve Austin, wrestling would not have had the boom period it had in the 90s. It, it was all centered around that storyline of the evil boss and the anti-establishment, anti-hero hero. Austin was never supposed to be a good guy. Right. The crowd made him a good, good guy. guy. What guy? Sorry, Adam. I love you. By the way, our boss just went underwent some serious surgery in yep. Cleveland, Shout Ohio. Out, Thursday, Adam, we love you, dog. We know you're going to hear this because you told me you was going to look forward to this wrestling episode. We love you. Adam's going to be on the shelf till about end of October, yep. middle yep. of November. So uh, your replacement's doing good work in your absence. Kurt's running the department real good. No, just <laughs> you would, neither one of us would be the first choice to run no, the department. No, but uh, anyways, uh, it will. No, no offense way. to no offense to Adam, but what person does not want to go to work? Give their boss the middle finger. Say I'm going to kick your ass. Throw beer on him. Kick him in the balls. Hit him with a stone cold stunner. Smash his face in with a chair shot. Every red-blooded American in the 90s, especially blue-collar workers, make up this country. It ain't white-collar people. That's right. What so guy didn't see around, that on man. Monday night and want to go to work the next day? You want me to box 300 chairs? Fuck you. Give me a hell yeah. Stone Cold Stunner. <laughs> I mean, so I'm going to say the bigger star was always going to be Austin. Austin. But that's that's me. Right. All right. Okay. Roddy Piper or Ric Flair? Or Ric Flair. We talked about this in the bonus 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. episode. People are always going to say Ric Flair is the greatest heel in wrestling. Sorry, hot take. Ric Flair is the second greatest heel because without Roddy Piper, there would be no Hulk Hogan. You're only as good as your dance partner in the ring. I've said this a million times. And Hogan had a hell of a dance partner in Piper. Piper had a hell of a dance partner in Hogan. That thing with Hulkamania was taken off, but it would not have took off at the speed it took off in 85, a year after Hogan won the belt from the Sheik, 84 in the Garden. That thing wouldn't have took off at the rate it did without Piper being the son of a bitch that he is. I'm not saying Piper made Hulk Hogan. I'm not saying that, but it damn sure looks like he did. Piper is the greatest heel in the rest. I can give you a rundown right now in my mind, the top five greatest heels in the wrestling business. Number one, Roddy Piper. Number two, Ric Flair. Number three, McMahon, because of Hogan. Yep. Number four, Ravishing Rick Rude. And Man, I forgot all about him. Num- number five is just a toss-up. You can put any guy you want in there. You can put Sergeant Slaughter when he did his heel turn and become the Iraqi sympathizer. Uh, you could put all the horsemen in there. Right. Um, I mean, there's Man, all yeah, kinds of people. Right. Okay. I, that, I mean, it's funny you mentioned Iron Sheik. I got Iron Sheik or Dutch Mantel. Oh, who I like better? Dirty Dutch, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're in we're in such a different time in the world today in 2021. Like, and you know, we don't get political on this show. Sometimes right. we we briefly touch on. It. We don't get political, but. We're we're in a serious different time in the world now. Um, a lot of shit. Racial going on injustices, 
r- rising up um lgbtq or however you say it all the respect go to those people they're having their own injustices they're dealing with with uh sexual whatever i mean they're, they're dealing with a lot of drama and, and just the, the the world is so different but 10 years ago you know 10 11 years ago dutch mantel this made national headlines on like cnn and fox news like a wrestling angle this was the first wrestling storyline in a long time to get national media coverage uh <clears throat> there's a guy named jake hager who is a amateur mma fighter and a pro wrestler he was wrestling for the wwe at the time as jack swagger he was a two-time all-american and you know he wrestled for oklahoma or oklahoma state his manager was dutch mantel and at the time they were doing this angle in 2010 and 2011 where it was coming off very racist and very conservative like about you know america first uh, they had a Hispanic wrestler at the time named Alberto Del Rio. Where Rumble winner? Yeah, you yeah, seen that? Yeah. Alberto was Hispanic. They didn't like him being Hispanic. Like uh-huh. they touched on a lot of stuff that you can't do these days. And Dutch was the perfect person to play that role because he had that big Dutch mantel mustache. <laughs> he come in wearing swat khakis and the sweater vest, and you know they had the "Don't Tread on Me" flag yep. and the. The theme song was just badass. It was. It was just. It. It. It was. No, it was just an instrumental. Um. It was just an instrumental, but it was. It just. It was very pro-American, and I'm not saying when you're pro-American, you're anti everybody else. But the way they played this angle, and it made national headlines, you know, and and they got some heat for it. Dutch and, uh, Mantel. Dirty Dutch Mantel, but Sheik, the Iron the Sheik hairiest, was cool. I go on record, the hairiest wrestler there was. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dutch. <clears throat> I got a shoot interview filmed in 2000 with Dutch at my house when he was still booking down in Cuba. And uh, he held up the paper that says uh, Al Gore demanding another recount. That was about the time it was. So That's pretty cool. Uh, Dutch. Like, oh, Dutch. I, I He's I a like hell of a guy. Okay. Wayne uh, Cunis, Quanic, Quan, I can't remember Dutch's last name. Uh, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. And right? I told Dutch when I when I met when I met Dutch for the second time a month before I started training. I and we laughed, and I told Dutch about that picture, and he goes, "Well, put it up beside, put this one beside that one." And uh, Dutch looked at me, and I had lost what you got to understand. Uh, I'm the only person I ever know to weigh 400 pounds twice. I'm 400 pounds. I lose weight. I gain it back. I've lost it again. I think now I'm about 360. Uh, I showed you those pictures here lately uh, the other week of of how much weight I lost. And right before my marriage started falling apart in the fall 2018, I was at my heaviest. Uh, And in the fall 2018, I was probably pushing 470, 480. So right now I'm about 360. Everybody's like, that's that's impossible. Well, let me tell you something. When you get to be that goddamn fat, you've got so much skin. I'm gonna lose a hundred pounds, and then I'm gonna lose more, and you're not gonna see how much I've lost because I've just got so much excess skin. But uh, anyways, the, to tell you that the point, mate, that when I graduated high school, I was like 440 and 06. 
So by the time 2010 it got rolled around, I started my training seminars and stuff. I was down to like 300, 280, 270, and it kept going. And Dutch looked at me. He said, "You're not very tall." He said, "But you're wide." He said, "You got good bumping shoulders on you, which the wrestling bump you just take a bump. It's a fall." Dutch goes, "You got good bumping shoulders on you," and uh, he said, "You ought to bump pretty good for somebody." And uh, anyways, just Dutch is one of the nicest. I got to pick his brain and talk to him at Legends Wrestling for probably an hour. Cool. One of the nicest. The funniest thing was he he played the heel all the time, didn't he? Kind of a heel. Dutch goes, I've only Dutch said a lot of these shoot interviews, no matter who conducts them, they always start the same way. How and why did you get into the wrestling business? And Dutch, somewhere in the first few minutes, Dutch said, I only went to two matches. My first wrestling match, I was a kid. The second wrestling match was mine. <laughs> he said, I was never really that much of a fan. He said, but you know, life's funny. He said, I got into it, and now here he is, been in it like 50 fucking years. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, all right. Yeah, I'm all bored on that Dutch man. Let's see who I got here. Tommy Ridge. Wildfire Tommy Ridge. Or Bill Dundee. Superstar Bill Dundee. Yeah. 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 Uh, wildfire, nothing against Wildfire Tommy Ridge. Tommy's had his problems. Honestly. Uh, Oops, sorry. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to fix that in editing. Thanks, Kurt. That's so bad, dude. You can when I They're put it sensitive. in the audacity, and the wavelength will move. Oh yeah. Yeah, and then when when all of a sudden it's going like this, this means the mic was doing. I bumped the mic. There this that yeah. the mic was doing this. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm always like mirror Kurt one, mirror Kurt one. Uh. Billy's the superstar. Well, yeah, and <clears throat> just he's talking about Tommy Rich. He had. Yeah, I don't know if Tommy's still alive or not. I haven't. I don't remember. I know I read something about him. I don't remember how long back it was, a year or two. If Tommy's still alive, I think Tommy's not doing that great. I don't know. Tommy had a. Tommy had a history. You know, my favorite, one of my favorites has always been Jamie Dundee, Bill Dundee's boy. PG 13 was my tag team. Guys were so crazy back in the day. Jamie Dundee was like a six-year-old kid. They got him drunk. <laughs> Bill Dundee and Tommy Rich. Jamie said his mom was pissed when she came <laughs> home. She said she ripped Bill's ass from one side of that trailer to the other. They got a six-year-old kid drunk, and they pierced his fucking ear. Oh Jamie boy. said, I'll never forget. He said, I was six years old. He said, I felt funny. I couldn't stand. He said, all I know is these guys were laughing at me. He said, Mom came home, and she chewed ass from one end of the house to the other. <laughs> Got a six-year-old kid that, drunk. That, that's crazy. Pierce his ear. That's crazy. Wrestlers are different people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a good story. But uh, Bill Dundee, just the the chemistry that him and Jerry Lawler have had. Oh, yeah. You know, him and Jerry Lawler have wrestled. It's it's thousands. They they right. think th- over a thousand times. I'll almost put Lawler with Dundee. but If I pick between Lawler and Dundee, it'd still probably be Lawler. Uh yeah, it'd be Lawler. Watching him and Bill Dundee work, they had such good chemistry. Like I said, you're only as good as your dancing partner. Right. And with those two guys, they never had a better dancing partner with anybody but he, each other. Ooh. The Rock or at Triple H? <sighs> I like watching both these guys work. Trip, yeah. 
The Rock was born to be an entertainer. You know, and, and maybe if he would have stuck around longer, you know, by 2004 was pretty much the end. 2003, arguably. 2004, he came back for WrestleMania 20. But arguably, The Rock was pretty much done full-time by 04. If he would have stuck around longer instead of making sporadic appearances here or there, it may be a him. But for me, I've never seen a guy with more dedication to this than what Triple H has. Like, like you know, he, he did this whole shtick. I love saying the word shtick. He did this whole <laughs> shtick in like 99 or 2000. Like, I am the game. I eat, sleep, breathe, live this business. Da-da-da. The whole works. It was a badass promo. But it was real. Like, this guy's a student. And, I mean, he married Vince's daughter. A lot of people in the IWC, which stands for Internet... Re- the Internet Wrestling Community is a bunch of people like me that are referred to as smart marks. The key word being marks. A mark is mean you'll believe anything. Smart People just put smart behind it because they think they're smarter than the wrestling bit. And nobody ever wants to refer to themselves as a smart mark, but I guess if you want to call me one, call me one. <laughs> but, like, uh, the IWC is full of people wishing Vince would hand the reins over to Triple H and Stephanie. I don't I don't know. Triple H, is uh, he's done a lot. They, they rebranded this whole NXT thing the last nine years, and especially the last seven years, it's really took over. And it's a lot of great talent that's come up through. But then they've got this new right-hand man to Vince, this Nick Khan guy that's fucking everything up. Uh, so I don't know. Triple H, as far as watching him work and their entertainment, I Triple H, like, I, I'll never forget. Uh, Triple H really got his singles push in 99. So I was uh, 11 going on 12. I would have turned 12 the summer of 99. So the spring of 99, I was still 11, WrestleMania 15, Triple H did a heel turn, broke up DX, joined the corporation, and he went on a singles push. And I remember it was so cool. I used to hide from my dad that I was a Triple H fan (laughs) and my mom. And then he was wrestling The Rock one night. I was like, come on, Triple H. And my dad, the hell you rooting for him for? He's a son of a bitch. My mom goes, yeah, look at that big nose bastard. He's a son of a bitch. And I was rooting for you know. And I was like, I can't help it. He's cool. Like, his job as a heel is to make us hate. But the more badass you are, which we spoke, the more I'm going to. Triple H was cool. Essentially, uh, we had the five greatest heels. We've got to have the five, five greatest baby faces, faces of all time. Yes. As I take a sip of my Gatorade, I'm gonna have to pawn this. Okay, well, um, if I had to pick five of the best baby faces of all time. Remember, this is a little tougher. Number one, well, number one's got to be Hogan. Yeah. And then number two, you put Austin. Uh, three, four, and five. Anybody you want to put in there, Sting. Right. Uh, you can throw Sting in there. You could throw. Ultimate Warrior, man. Uh, yeah, I'm going to put him down. Brett or Sean, Undertaker, was faced most of his career. I mean, he had a couple heel turns here and there, but mostly he was a baby face. 
what CM Punk did the last handful of years he was in WWE and what he's doing now in AEW, and I'm a huge CM Punk mark. Like, uh, 2005 was, uh, 05-06 was my senior year of high school. Back at that time in 05, the WWE's training grounds was Ohio Valley Wrestling, OVW. They ran a lot of shit in Louisville. They came to Crawford County High School up in Marengo. And uh, they came the day after my birthday. So my best friend at the time, Adam, said, we're going to go watch wrestling. So here you got a bunch of 18-year-old kids driving, you know, not like we was driving to a big city like right. Alfordsville, you know. <laughs> we was driving to, up there. We sat front row. I think tickets were $10 at the door at Crawford County High School. CM Punk jerked the curtain that night. Jerk the curtain means the first match on the card for all you non-wrestling fans <laughs> out there. So CM Punk jerked the curtain, and they would come. They were coming out this way, like where you're sitting. They were coming out this way, and we were in the front row. And uh, CM Punk got in the ring, and he threw his ring jacket out to the crowd. And I went to grab it. He said, "You touch my jacket, you fat little cupcake! I'm gonna break your fingers." <laughs> no. And then. Of course, I was excited because, like I said, this is 05, and I yeah. first found out about CM Punk like two years before. So I was all excited because when they're in OVW, you know, they're going to the big time, you know. Um, so, anyways, it might have been September. I thought it was August. It might have been September. <clears throat> the reason I say that is because I think August of 05 is when he signed his contract. Of course, he had to go through developmental for a while, but... Uh, CM Punk's a baby face uh, John Cena people in the IWC have begged for years for Cena to do a heel turn uh, which he never did uh, Savage you could say briefly his face run um, He's module man yeah yeah there's a lot of guys. Uh, I love how you've been writing shit. We're just uh, yeah. Uh, it's almost well, like you're interviewing. Well, yeah, I kind of am. I got one more for you. Okay, one more Macho than I got. Macho Man and Million Dollar or the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Who do I like better? Macho right. Man. Yeah, yeah. Right Ted DiBiase had probably the arguably the other greatest gimmick, and I'm always going to consider the Undertaker gimmick the best. But Ted DiBiase, you could argue maybe not a top five heel, but a top ten heel. Yeah. That was a hell of a gimmick. Like yeah. he, he d- there's a clip out there. I don't know if you know this. You might remember this, but for those of you for the non-wrestling people listening, go to YouTube and type up Ted Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase or just type Million Dollar Man cuz some people can't spell DiBiase. Just type Million Dollar Man Basketball. There was a taping in 88 89 90 at one of their syndicated shows. There's this little colored boy comes out of the crowd and Ted gives him a basketball and says if he can dribble the basketball mm-hmm. ten times, he'll give him like a hundred dollars or a thousand, whatever it was. And this was during a point where Ted was doing a lot of gimmicks where he was making people do stuff for money to prove that anybody that everybody has a price right, for them. everybody right. has a price for the million dollar man. <laughs> All right. So you, you probably realized at the time I didn't because like this was a couple years after I got into wrestling you know so I had to see this all through tapes and right. posterity you know all right. so you probably knew something was up but you didn't think he's going to fuck with a little kid with a basketball and this 
<laughs> fun, and I'll tell you a funny story about this in a second. It's funny I'm bringing this up because something about this just happened a couple of weeks ago. Anyways, this cute little colored boy, he just, you know, he starts dribbling this ball <coughs> and they're counting, you know, and he gets the number nine and Ted kicks the fucking oh, no. basketball into the audience. No. And he's like, when you don't do the job right, you don't get paid. <laughs> Run on back to your mother, little boy. And they show this little kid crying as oh, he's going back no. to the barricade. And I'm always wondering to this day, I'm like, did they bring that kid backstage and give him tickets or something? Because this is like a five-year-old kid. You broke, yeah, broke his did. meet and greet or something. Like, Because you've got to have him right. get, his, get his heat at wrestling. Get his heat means he's got to right. do his bad shit right. to get the people to hate. He's got to get his heat. So he that kicked w- the basketball. That would make people hate him for sure. Yeah, so, but I'm like, they had to bring that family backstage yes, for meet and greet some tickets or something. But funny story, Ted posted on his social media about a month ago that he's he wants to find the boy now, which the boy now is my age or a couple right. years older, you know, because he wants him to come in and do another meet and greet, and he's going to give him an autographed basketball and like a thousand dollar donation right. to a charity of his right. choice, and so that's but, cool. But he was like, he's just like they're like this that kid's going to do eight, is, nine, and then kicks the oh, ball. No. When you don't do the job right, you don't get paid. Uh, see what was his. Uh, manager's name is a chick Ted DiBiase yeah didn't he have his... he had Virgil his little sidekick I, I was thinking he had a woman I don't know if Sensational Sherry ran yes, around with was. him or not it was she ran around with Savage I can't remember see I told you I don't I don't forget everything but some things uh, Elizabeth or sh- Elizabeth was with Savage Savage that's right Elizabeth, uh, I oh love yeah. you. Oh, yeah. That was pretty uh, good. That was pretty good. Do it again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you having you, man. Are you having fun? Oh, yeah. I'm having yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. I, mean, I keep going. You want to keep going a little bit? Well, okay, keep going a little bit. Okay, I, mean, I, might, I might think of something else here. Yeah. I mean, I was going to do a word association with you. Oh, fuck it. Fire it up. I'll but do I, a million word associations. I'm, I'm trying to think good... Did you uh, did you take a look at the Ric Flair stuff I sent you? The promos, the promos I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah some I, the clip I sent you in particular was like four hours worth of Ric Flair promos. Yeah, yeah. I didn't make it through all of it. But. Sadly, I did, folks. And that's not the first time I've ever watched it either. <laughs> uh, he was uh, very flamboyant. I, I said this in our two a.m. bonus episode. Check it out in the Steel Toes and Scoreboards archives. If you want a good time, you want high-quality entertainment, Google Ric Flair 1980 promos on YouTube. You will be amazed at the things you find. He was so animated. Yeah. He was so over the top. I mean, uh, it was hilarious. Do you think it was scripted, or do you think he was... That was really Ric Flair in real right life. off the cuff, wasn't it? No, and... Okay, you really want to get me fired up, don't you? Yeah. That's the problem with wrestling today, Okay. Especially in the WWE. A lot of those promos are written for guys now. Right. Back in 1980, oh, Slick Rick didn't need anybody writing his that's promos. That's what I thought, yeah. And that's why, that's why wrestling, some of the ratings are in the fucking tank I mean, right now. Because you're taking a script for a guy that you don't know who it is, and you're, you're, you know, you're making him go out and memorize this garbage. When it let, me, let me tell you something about wrestling. It flows freely from the cuff, doesn't it? 
Let, for Ric Flair. Let me tell you something about wrestling. And, and you can apply this in anything in life. If you're selling a product, if you don't believe that product, are you going to buy it? No. If somebody comes on TV and is trying to sell you a vacuum cleaner, but you don't buy their pitch... I ain't not going to buy it. You're going to buy a different vacuum oh, cleaner. Okay, yeah. some of these guys are coming out with these promos that are scripted to them from Ryder. I'll tell you a story right now that I brought up to Adam uh, a few weeks back. Vince is not responsible for everything bad going on with World Wrestling Entertainment right now. Okay? There's a lot of shit that doesn't get to Vince. Other people handle it. Ultimately, when it comes to everything on TV, Vince has final say. He's 80-something years old, 70-something years old. It's still his business. But some of the other shit, like, they, they, they're hiring writers now. Writers. They write the show. That's this, right. there, there really is writers nowadays that are writing the scripts. They write the show. They had a young girl uh, fired. She got fired. And I shared this on my Facebook a few months ago, and I have to go back to find it. And I don't, I don't remember the name. If you people want to fact check it, just Google WWE writer fired for what she leaked on a podcast. She went on a podcast and talked about she's working for WWE. She's writing now. And she mispronounced the character's name she wrote. She goes, his name's Bobby Ashley or Bobby Asby or something. His name's Lashley. Lashley. He was their reigning world champion. Uh She didn't know who the fuck he was, but she was writing for him. They can't be good for... What kind of business PR does that sense? So they shit-canned her, which should have happened. Right. But that's the thing. These guys are writing these fucking... Reciting these garbage promos... And you know when when wrestling was in the boom period in the nineties, do you think Stone Cold or The Rock or Triple H was given a script or no, something? No. no. The writing crew then might have said, "Hey, cover point A and cover point B. Right. How you get right. there is on you." Right. And nowadays these guys get out there, they forget what they're gonna say because you want them to memorize fifteen pages right. of junk. <clears throat> That don't sell tickets anyways. It's got wrestling it's got fans, flow from the cuff. Yeah, wrestling fans are the most fickle entertainment fans in the world. If they don't believe that you believe it, no, if right. they don't believe it's real from you... It's not going to sell. It's not going to sell. Now, you look at what they're doing in the other promotions right now, which I know you're not, because and that's fine. It feels more, more real there. The whole point being, in 1980, God damn it, Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen didn't need a script. Same thing might apply. They might have said, hey, maybe you ought to talk about this, but whatever else you want to get there, get there. I mean, I, I think it's why I kind of lost contact with the rest of Because you weren't feeling it anymore. It was too scripted, maybe, a little bit. I mean, too much. Too much, though. Yes. I mean, and I kind of... A little feel, bit, fine. Too much is never a good I, thing. What's it going to take... I ain't saying I'm not going to be a pro wrestling fan ever again. I could be, but it's going to take something... Like seeing in, like seeing a fucking guy half dressed as a clown in a nursery rhyme thing. <laughs> yeah, some gimmick. I mean, I don't. Was that not cool and creepy? It was very creepy. His Bray Wyatt's first appearance as the theme was so he came back in April of 2019. So they pushed this thing for four months, and SummerSlam 2019 he came back. And wrestled as the fiend the first time. He comes out to the ring. It's all dark. He's dressed in that Tom Savini creepy clown mask, the leather coat, creepy. 
he's carrying a lantern to the ring, which is what he did with his Southern Baptist preacher thing. But the lantern was his severed head of what he used to look like before he changed his <laughs> no. look. The mouth's wide open, the eyes are and it's just a lantern. And it drew so much controversy that they edited it out later on really? in later replays. It's cool as shit, though. Why would they edit it out? I don't know. They just, people were like, you can't Too be walking around with a severed head. I mean, it's 2019. 2009, that shit would have flew. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, it's going to take some sort of a pitch. It's going to take me getting on TV. It's going to take me and you to call. We're going to call Dwayne The Rock Johnson down in Miami. <laughs> there you go. Be like, look, you got the money. I'll take the book. And we'll t- and, and, you know, that's another thing we was getting up. And I get so sidetracked with wrestling. It's like me on YouTube. Me on YouTube is going down the rabbit hole. Because one video leads to Yeah, yeah. I'll be looking you, at 1976 Camaros. And then I'll be looking at something that happened in 1996 and then it'll lead me to something then i get on 9-11 stuff it just wrestling leads me down a wormhole one of the things we're gonna be doing on this wrestling podcast is we're gonna be rebooking certain storylines in wrestling history because you want to talk about opportunities in wrestling that's been blown or matches that's been blown and just you know like a blown save right you know? right I, I got brother i got some stories i could tell you like bangles that have been botched how to rebook them and if i'd be a booker i'd get you back in wrestling i'd have like a not necessarily saying there'd be no more a bowl of pudding matches or some shit the the divas that's another thing about wrestling that i love now <clears throat> when i was a kid growing up you had very few women wrestlers right me too uh <clears throat> Then the Attitude Era, when I was in middle school and junior high, the women got a little more physical. Now in the last eight or nine years, women's wrestling has went through a revolution. Two years ago, WrestleMania 35, MetLife Stadium, where the Jets and the Giants play, New York City, sold out. WrestleMania 35 was a main event by women, first time ever. They closed WrestleMania with a main event, triple threat match. For both women's titles, Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch. <coughs> that was big time. 2018 or 2019, they had the first ever all women's pay per view called Evolution. Big time. Back then, they were called Divas. They'd have yeah. brawl and panty matches. <laughs> Sorry for any women listening. It's not sexist. This is just where wrestling was and where the world was at that time. The only way to win the match was to strip your opponent down to a brawl and panties. <laughs> I loved it. Well, I, I mean, you know, I mean, if we're being honest, it sold tickets. Yeah. They don't do that so much nowadays. They're right. actually putting on competitive matches. Uh, things are different in, in the indie promotions. And other shows, you don't see a lot of women getting color. Getting color means blading, busting open, bleeding. Uh, Sometimes accidents happen in the ring. You will get busted open. But as far as blade jobs, don't happen very often. In other promotions, you'll see it. A a bleeding woman, you know, bleeds naturally to thoughts of domestic violence or something like that. So they, they try to avoid that, you know. But, like, we're in the middle of a revolution in wrestling right now. And... Women wrestling, that's uh, 
That's pretty impressive. I, I haven't seen. I'm telling you, yet. some of these women, I if you watch, out, yeah. some of these women, some of these women can wrestle better than the guys. <laughs> right. I mean, it ain't all just TNA anymore, you know. Right. Uh, and I don't mean total nonstop action. <laughs> I mean, you know, boobs and butts. Uh, yes. Uh, Good-looking women on there. <laughs> uh, see, I had something else I was going to ask you. Greatest match I ever seen. That's a tough one. And he, the greatest match I ever seen as far as like promotion of it and like build up. Uh, Two thousand one, WrestleMania six, WrestleMania seventeen, April first, two thousand one. Reliant Astrodome, Houston, Texas. 67,925 people. Austin vs. Rock, main event, no disqualification, WWF title. And I'll never forget that. That, that To me, a lot of people consider that to be one of the top three WrestleManias of all time. I consider that to be the greatest WrestleMania of all time. That's the one that it blew. That's the one when Adam first started me. Like, you're so stupid. Because he said, there's no way there was that many people. I said, Google it, bud. <laughs> He said April first, two thousand. He, he said sixty-seven thousand nine hundred twenty. Said I hate you. <laughs> but uh, Austin versus Rock, the video package put together, the promotion bill for that. They used Limp Biscuits My Way. Greatest video package ever. If you're not a wrestling fan and you watch that, you'd get hooked. Like, oh fuck, I got to see what happens next. Limp Biscuit. Limp Biscuit. Fred I, Durst. I don't think I would name my band Limp anything, but. <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. It's my way. My way or the highway. I got a couple good jeans. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was good. As far as an actual wrestling match, uh, SummerSlam 92. So I would have been five. And I don't really remember this match at five. I remember it more a few years later, about the time I was eight. So you're looking at about 95. So August 92, SummerSlam, Wembley Stadium, 80,155 or maybe 81,000, something there. Main event, Intercontinental title, brother-in-law versus brother-in-law, Bret Hart versus British Bulldog. Bulldog beats him. Sunset flip reversal, pins him one, two, three. Brett had to carry Davey through that whole match because Davey had went out and smoked crack the night before. And they had laid this match out for weeks, start to finish, what they were going to do. They laid it all out on a yellow legal pad, like what I got on my desk. And uh, Davey went out and smoked crack the night before the match, forgot everything. Brett had to oh, carry him through the whole match. Damn it. Yeah. Don't smoke crack. Don't smoke crack. PSA from Kurt. Don't smoke crack. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I, would, I forgot all about the You wouldn't Bulldog. believe the drugs that were in the locker rooms in the 80s. Oh, I'm sure. In the early 90s. Now they've cut down on all that stuff. They're drug testing. Guys get... I'm sure cocaine is a big... Oh, yeah. Vince, Vince piss tests his guys like every quarter. So, I mean... So that's changed. Mar- oh know. yeah, that's ch- big time, and and they've changed things. Change too, like con- concussions. 
You know how many times these guys used to go to the ring with their fucking bell rung every night? I'm sure. Their brain just swelling from trauma. Nowadays, they get a concussion. They pull them out of action for months. uh, Brian Danielson, who wrestled as Daniel Bryan. uh, Brian Danielson was a guy I watched for years working for Ring of Honor. Uh, they he had concussions so bad they 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 shelved his career. He didn't wrestle for like two or three years. I mean, a, a head slam in the turnbuckle. Yeah, I think I part of the, yeah, yeah but, but I think part chair shots. Yeah, you ask a lot of the guys in the wrestling business. A chair shot used to be a badge of honor. You would take that. You wanted to take that. It was a badge of honor. Now they don't allow a lot of chair shots, and these aren't gimmick chairs. I mean, right, they're right, actual metal right. folding oh, yeah. chairs. You don't yeah, gimmick I know what those. They are. So that would have definitely hurt. And I think a lot of that's what changed. Like to me, wrestling was at its best when it was like rated TV fourteen, and then the murder suicide of the Benoit family in 07. Chris Benoit murders his wife, murders his child, and then commits suicide. Uh, they. I guess at the autopsy, his brain was that of an 80-year-old mental patient. Like, all the trauma and and everything, uh, steroids, and they changed their image, went more family-friendly after that, and uh, they outlawed a bunch of headshots, and now they concussion. So, they're doing a lot to protect guys, I think, to protect their ass, too. You know, what happened with Ben Wall was a bad deal. Yeah, for Uh, sure. He's kind of been blackballed in wrestling now, which sucks. The guy's legacy of what he did as an athlete uh, is now overshadowed by this tragedy. Yeah. So and what himself, I'm sure. Yeah, they said he. Uh, I don't remember if he strangled her, or smothered her, smothered his child, and then he. I guess their bodies laid in the house for a couple days while he was still there before he finally offed himself. He hung himself hung himself with a weight bench in his basement. Snapped his just snapped his right. neck. Just right. he uh he had enough wherewithal, I guess, to place Bibles beside each of their bodies. And I, I hey who knows what was going on in his mind. There's conspiracy theorists out there that it wasn't him, that it was a murder of another wrestler who was Benoit's wife's ex and guy by the name of Kevin Sullivan, but I've always maintained Kevin Sullivan's too much of a fucking idiot to pull off a <laughs> murder-suicide because he's not the smartest guy in the world, but that's just me. So, <laughs> Now, what do you think about Brock Lesnar, UFC or pro wrestling? I mean, I know what you Brock wouldn't be in UFC without wrestling. All right. Uh Pro wrestling's what made him his money to start with. And then his UFC. He's a bad son of a bitch. Well, dude. yeah. He's a tough, tough guy, legitimate tough yeah. guy. And I, I grew uh, up watching him when I was wrestling in in high school and junior high, wanting to be like him. Because here's this dude, a heavyweight, that's winning national titles for NC for the NCAA for the you know shout out Minnesota Golden Gophers. Uh, I've never seen a guy that goddamn big. Yeah. Be that quick, quick and that strong, and then he leaves wrestling, and yeah. I'm like, "Well, that sucks." Well, I mean, I was kind of excited to see him go to UFC, and then he and, goes to UFC. And Alistair Overeem just whipped his that, ass. His last fight that he's and uh, Alistair hit him in the gut. Came Velasquez. Oh man, came Velasquez. 
He didn't ever adapt to the striking game, which. Of course, then again, if I had Brock Lesnar on top of me beating the shit well, out of yeah. me, I would probably tap out too. Right. Man, I wanted to see him. I like the wrestling part of his game, you know. Game. I just would like to see him stick it out of the horn in the UFC. But he couldn't strike. He, he, he struggled with his striking, I think. And uh, nowadays you got to be a mixed martial artist, kind of. you got to know a lot of different things. Well, yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, he's... Pro wrestling made his money, right? That's where he started. Right, I mean, and right. then it, it took off from there. Yeah, what a beast. He was a beast. He's a mean son yeah, of a bitch. When I think, remember the old Tekken game? Remember I remember Tekken. Jack, Jack? Yep. That's kind of who he reminded me of <laughs> a little bit for some reason. <laughs> Fuck it. Uh, why not? I'll give you that one. I mean, did he kind of look like him? Kind of. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I like Brock Lesnar. You know what I should have put in for this episode? A woo button. Woo. woo! Yes, an nature boy. We could do a whole episode on Ric Flair. Flair yeah. Just, God, man. Like, I get excited thinking I, about him. I, I didn't like him at first, but now they're here later, later on. I don't know. I kind of <laughs> liked him. You know, so I, I, I told the story briefly in last week's episode two weeks ago the, when we was picking topics. About the Starcade '83 robe and the the swatch and the plaque, which I sh- I brought it here. It's here at your house. I showed you the his robes. <laughs> he his robes were thousands of dollars that he paid for out of his own pocket. And he had dozens of them, and he was the person you've seen on camera. Is a lot of the time is the person that was off right. camera. The stories about him and uh, his penchant for beautiful women and liquor, that's yeah. all true. Hey, Dole, brothels, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ric Flair would, could fund a brothel. <laughs> uh, just, they, they were on a, they were out at a bar one night back in the old WCW days. And uh, Jim Ross was still working for Ted Turner in World Championship Wrestling. Him and Rick went to the bar. Rick was just begging somebody to go with him. And I guess everybody that usually ran the bar scene, everybody had shit to do or they were going to take a night off because nobody could drink all day long like Ric Flair. And JR went and said, we have a few quiet ones. And I think they were there at 2 o'clock in the morning. And next thing you know, Flair's on top of the pool table (laughs) strutting around, nothing but his socks and his underwear. And... Uh, I would have loved uh, to have partied with Ric Flair. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm sure it would a good time. There's a story in pro wrestling lore, uh, and it's coming up this season uh, as uh, season three of Dark Side of the Ring is airing on Vice. There's an infamous story in pro wrestling lore called The Plane Ride from Hell, which was about a private charter plane that the WWF used in 2002, I think it was for a tour over in the United Kingdom back to the United States and all kind of ungodly shenanigans took place on that plane like five people lost their jobs the story goes Ric Flair came out of the bathroom wearing nothing but his robe, his wrestling robe and everything's out there for God and everybody to see and he's just strutting down the aisle and there were sexual harassment charges filed against people and (laughs) 
uh, Dusty Rhodes' son, Dustin, who wrestled as Gold Dust, was going through a divorce with his wife. He commandeered the the plane's PA system and was professing his love to his soon-to-be ex-wife, who was still working for the company at the time. She was on the flight. Uh, one guy got his ponytail cut off. Another guy got his eyebrows shaved. Oh, shit. Just uh, all uh. kinds of shenanigans. Uh, <laughs> Brock Lesnar got into a fight with somebody in the aisleway. They went near the the uh, the side door. People yeah. thought that you know the the plane was getting depressed. The cabin was being depressure. All sorts of shenanigans. Damn it, that's crazy. You ought to Google that sometime. WWE plane ride from hell. I'll check it out for sure. <coughs> Wrestlers party hard, man. Uh, Ric Flair, how much? money you think he made uh, Rick Flair's made millions of dollars how much money has he got left well how much has he made the uh, WW whatever I mean, he made the guys a ton of money too didn't WCW, he? WCW. Yeah, WWE you know they were already making money right. hand over fence right. Rick Flair is a license to print money wherever he goes right. you know this guy and people think I'm people you think I'm lying to you this is me the wrestling guru this motherfucker says, and I believe it, he never wore a pair of jeans in his life till he retired from wrestling. He was always dressed in a suit. Oh, yeah. Always. Yeah. He played the, every bit of the part. Oh, yeah. Like, he, li- you talk about guys living their gimmick outside of the ring. He did. He's also a huge dipper, by the way. Smokeless tobacco. Yeah. Ric Flair's a dipper. Didn't know that. Did not know. I didn't either until I watched him do an entire four or five hour shoot with uh, RF video you got my li- no I got no, my you got it. <clears throat> huge dipper like the uh, I didn't like figure, the lid candy I didn't figure they'd I figured they'd probably frown upon that they but, frown upon a lot of shit alright who's the scariest wrestler you've ever seen Undertaker <laughs> love it I mean seriously yeah. the impact I mean, this guy had on my life like the impact wrestling had in general. Like, do you want to know how serious this runs with me? I'll walk through Walmart, see somebody bent over looking at something on a shelf. You know, I'll look to the left and be like, this would be a perfect plant for like a running knee lift to the face. <laughs> or I see him grab, or I see him bent over looking at something like, oh, right up behind him, rear, rear naked choke, reverse DDT, body slam, suplex, jumping off. Like, I constantly think about it. <laughs> About how I could use pro wrestling moves on these sad, unsuspecting people. Uh, I was always partial to the diamond cutter for some reason. I don't know. You know the best finishing moves? You was asking me about are the best finishing moves are ones that can be hit at any time from any angle, where you ain't got a you know that way. If you got a guy that's 175 pounds like Rey Mysterio, or you got a guy that's 500 pounds like Andre, and you can use the same move on both of them. Stone Cold Stunner, Super Kick, Diamond Cutter, RKO. RKO out of nowhere. <laughs> the, the, uh, when they climb up on a rope and they fly off of it and land on a guy, I always thought that was pretty cool. Eddie Guerrero used to do that, the frog splash. I mean, that, Beautiful. Had, that had to hurt, didn't it? I mean, actually... Well, yeah, because, I mean, they're 2 by 10s That's what they are. Yeah. They're 2x10s or 2x12s, 16 feet long. Man, and what's covering it? Just a little thin a tarp. canvas. It's, a simply yeah. a tar- it's essentially yeah. a tarp. Like a canvas type. Yeah. Yeah, like the old Converse shoes were made out of type. Kind of? Kind of, yeah. 
Yeah, that would feel very You good. know, the hardest I've ever been hit in my life, the very first training seminar, I was working with another roly-poly like myself. Tracy was over here. Again, rest in peace, Tracy Smothers. Tracy was over here. Washington, Indiana. Davis County, Indiana's own. Chase Stevens was over here. And uh, this guy said something. I shot him off into the ropes, and he came back. And I guess I misinterpreted. Well, he plowed into me, and I wasn't expecting it. So I took an actual bump. Like, I didn't plan on taking the bump, but he knocked me off. And it happened so fast, I didn't have time to tuck my chin in. I'm breaking kayfabe telling secrets. But my head slammed off the mat, and I had no way to protect myself. And goddamn, I was seeing stars. And I remember Tracy goes, hey, Biggin, that's a TV bump. you got to save that for when the cameras are rolling now. That's a TV bump. You can't be taking that. Come on, Biggin, get up. Goddamn, Tracy, I can't. Trace goes, well, what do you see? I said, four of you. <laughs> and I was sitting here like this, and just, man, my fucking, God, my head hurt for like two hours. Uh, that, 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 I always kind of dug it. They kind of, you know, the throw into the ropes and the momentum moves and stuff are pretty cool, too. And I never knew that, and I felt like such an idiot. I never knew they were hitting that with their latimus muscle. And I'm telling you what, so many times of running the ropes and hitting the cables, and everything and I dude my whole side my big fat man titties all the way down was just bruised Bruce. and I was pissing blood for a couple yeah, of days man it just illegal moves like the eye rake it's just fun uh, Rick Flair that's that. not real he kind of well he used that all the time Seemed like kick to the groin kick to the groin yeah not real Sometimes boot to the neck or what have you. Was that was that legal? I don't think it was legal. Um, in in wrestling, there's proper etiquette that you take to take care of the boys. Like, have you ever noticed a lot of wrestlers don't have armpit hair? You ever uh, notice that? Yeah. You know why that is? No. Because if you got a guy in a headlock, the last thing they want is their face buried in your sweaty sweaty armpit armpit hair. So they would shave their pits. That makes sense. Well, years ago, back in the 80s, some wrestler, a rookie coming into the territory thinking he was going to make a name for himself, not letting anybody hate because wrestling's a lot like college. There's a lot of hazing with the new guys. Not so much nowadays, but back then. So this guy thought he was going to pull a prank on Jerry Lawler and, you know, he was going to stand up, hey, I'm the new guy, you're not going to get me. So uh, they informed him about wrestling etiquette. God, I wish I, if I Google it, I'd find out. I don't remember who it was. But uh, Lawler said he had a secret compound that was painless for getting rid of hair. (laughs) It was super glue. Oh, no. So he made this, lathered it up on this guy and said, keep your arm like this for five minutes and we'll come back and we'll just fall right out. Super glued. Oh, no. Tons of super glue. Said this guy, you could hear him screaming out in the arena every time he was lifting his arm and pulled up. Dude, that's fucked up. Well, and they would do all sorts of stuff. Like that would hurt. There was, there were, How there would you people, get out of that anyway? I don't fucking know. That seemed like you probably ripped the skin it's funny to think about, though, ain't it? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, that's kind of... What, what, 
they do all sorts of hazing. Guys would take guys would literally defecate into people's ring bags. That pissed somebody off. Yeah, that's kind of over the top. I mean, you know, but what are they? A bunch of monkeys flinging poop around or what? That that there would piss me off. The wrestling business, man. It's uh, it's weird. Uh, Definitely entertaining. Uh, should we by the time to plug another one we'll plug another one let's plug let's plug one more for right now uh, we're gonna shout out our favorite woman Nana's Aromas LLC check her out on Facebook or Nana's Aromas dot com uh, located in beautiful Palmyra Indiana uh, in Harrison County yeah, it's a beautiful country yes it is uh, like I said right now due to COVID and her schedule uh, her store is by appointment only, but if you call her, you can give her uh, an appointment set up. Of course, she does sell ships to all over the U.S. Uh, she sent us a free candle, which I kept telling her she didn't have to, but right. it was blueberry, right. which I should have brought that again tonight. Nana, we love you. Be- yeah. Beautiful uh, beautiful candle, blueberry cheesecake. Uh, awesome. Yeah, she, everything is done by her start to finish including the labels but she does more than candles there's warmers uh wax melts air fresheners and the coolest thing i say it every time because it's smart it's smart business she does everything in small batches so she can have better quality control uh everything's hand wicked uh please 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 give her a call i'm a candle freak i'm a candle fiend uh give her a call at 812-972-3670 Again, 812-972-3670. She will ship all over the U.S. Uh, she's a hardworking yeah. widow lady. Lost her husband due to COVID yeah. last year. And uh, she's taking on another full-time job now to make ends meet. So she still has the candle business. Uh, but her her stuff speaks for itself yeah it smells awesome so, man. Uh, and she has dozens of candles uh, she's a sweet lady she's given us a lot of opportunity to plug her and kind of get some looks our way and uh, she sent us a free candle so we love you Nana yeah absolutely so little applause for Nana yes. alright son now what <laughs> you I mean, are, is this where I just start talking again yeah I think so uh What's the greatest wrestling match you remember watching? Me? Yeah, that you can remember. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I go if back. You got to pick one. I go back I to care. the Lawler Dundee matches. I mean, and that's that was such a great time too because it, a lot of those were loser leave town matches, which was back in the territory. So, okay, Dundee loses to Lawler, so they leave town. So now they're going to work for Bill Watts down in Mid South. Uh, then two years later, they go work for Ron Fuller down in Continental, down in Alabama. Two more years go by; they've been gone six years or whatever. So now they're going up north, and now they're gonna they're going back to Memphis, going to work for Lawler again, and start making the horn. That was what was the territory era of wrestling. I mean, I mean, it's my earliest memories and some of the great <laughs> matches. I've, I've you know I've seen them fight several times. And, I love the Moon Dogs. You remember the Moon oh, Dogs? Yeah. Rex oh, yeah. and Spot. Yes. I had my picture taken with them when I was a little feller too, or a young feller. Two monsters. Yeah. Their gimmick was gnawing on the bone. Gnawing on the bone. That's yeah. right. Rex they, and Spot. The and Moon they Dogs. Out with this. They didn't have no dialect. They just grunted. And I know. 
it it went it over. It got over. Yeah. Got over. Sure. Yeah. Come out bib overalls or something like that. No. Yeah. It was bib Some of them, sometimes. Sometimes yeah. they were just wrestling in a pair and, of jeans. And the hairdos like Twisted Sister, T Snyder. <laughs> uh, we're not going to take it. Yeah, I mean, they were. Oh, no. Entertaining. We're not going to take it. That's the moon dogs. I like the moon dogs. What the sheep herders? The bushwhackers. The bushwhackers. Or the sheep herders, the, as you call them. That's what they used to be. Now. Yeah, the bushwhackers. Luke and Butch, the yeah. bushwhackers. Uh, yeah. Camouflage pants and gray tank tops. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jimmy Hart. Mouth of the South. Yes. I mean, I'm trying to. Uh, Bobby. Bobby the Brain Heenan. Heenan. Yeah. Well, I was picking up on the mic. I mean, Tojo Yamamoto. You always talk about Tojo. Man, he, he was, was an a, intimidating son of a bitch. Hey, he was a villain. He was a heel. The, ja- the Japanese. Yeah, I didn't like him. He wasn't really Japanese either. Well, a lot of these guys weren't where they right, say. Right, right. Sabu's from uh, Bombay, India, but he's really from Michigan. Then. <laughs> I don't remember what show this was, and it was something I'd seen. They, the announcer accidentally said, from Bombay, Michigan, and Sabu's like, I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> you could see him mouth the words, I'll fucking kill you. So, Wrestling. I am so happy we've done a wrestling night, episode. You know, from the 70s to, the, to now, there's been a lot of roller coaster, right? Yeah, business goes in spurts. It always right. has, it and always will. It goes probably in cycles. Be the same way. You know, it's. I think where we're at right now with what's going on, I think we're fixing to hit another boom period. I could be wrong. I hope I'm not. Um, right. I, mean, I know that I am super excited for what's coming. This is a hell of a time to be a fan of uh, pro wrestling. You know what, dude? Speaking of that, I'm about to check out some of these women wrestlers too and you know it's not sexist like they're beautiful women but they're what they're doing now is different than anything they've done before like it i mean it's cool uh i want to see this thing i wanted to show you this thing if i can find it and of course i can't find it so okay it was something wrestling related but it's not important. I had a whole bunch of Ric Flair stuff I downloaded I wanted to show you. Oh, yeah, here it is. This is Ric Flair's best robe. This one was his most expensive. It wasn't the Starcade 83 robe. This is his famous peacock robe, and maybe I'll put this up on our Facebook page. There you go. This was the yellow peacock robe in 77. He let Black Jack Mulligan tear that robe up shredded on TV which he's like I wish I never would have done that 77 he was wrestling I mean <coughs> he used to be see Ric Flair had a plane crash in 75 survived broke his back and everything he was a heavyweight back then he was 300 pounds he was an amateur bodybuilder you look you google Ric Flair old right. pre plane crash like he was a big wrestler then he got shaved the bleach blonde hair and uh there's a cool story about this title belt. Maybe I'll tell us later or whatnot. Or I guess I could tell it now. Uh, one, want, one, of the, one of the promos he sent me that he done, he 
talk specifically about his belt. Nice looking belt. So, okay, so in 1991, uh, WCW had only been around a few years because, like I said, Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling later went part of Jim Crockett Promotions. They were the leading territory for the NWA. Ted Turner gets in, buys out Jim Crockett, and then WCW is formed. So they branch away from the NWA, which is why they changed from having the NWA title to the big gold belt. And uh, when I say big gold belt, this is the belt you'll recognize. So, and this is a this is a hell of a story. I mean, you told me to fill time, so. The big gold belt. That's the belt you're recognizing. Yes. Yeah. That's a beautiful championship. Yes. That's a forty, fifty thousand dollar title. Okay, so there's the big gold belt. So in nineteen ninety one, Ric Flair was unhappy with what was going on when he was working in WCW. So there was a guy by the name of Jim Hurd who was the president of WCW and uh he used to run a fucking pizza hut how he got to manage a multi-million dollar wrestling promotion when he managed a fucking pizza hut franchise how that Uh, came to be bad decision all around he was an idiot he had no business running a wrestling company and that was part of what wcw's downfall was all the time they had too many chiefs not enough indians and the problem was all the all the chiefs weren't wrestling chiefs who knows how to run a wrestling company better than somebody that's been right. affiliated with a wrestling right. You know what? What's that noise? I don't know. But it stopped. That was weird. We're still recording. Right on. Gotta watch my equipment. Like so a hawk. Like a hawk. Anyways, uh, that was their problem. They had too many... Who knows how to run a wrestling company better than a wrestler? That's like... You know, not saying our employer, but just using manufacturing positions at all. Who would know how to run it better than people that actually work on the production right. floor versus right. people that sit in the freaking office, right. right? Right. So, anyways, there's some deal coming up. Um, back then, when you won the championship belt, a lot of times you put down a deposit of $25,000 to make sure the belt would be in safekeeping, nothing would happen to it. They, Flair said, screw it, I'm leaving. They said, okay, send us the belt back. Flair said, send me back my $25,000 plus the interest. You're not getting any money. Well, you're not getting the belt back. So he calls Vince McMahon says, hey, I'm coming. Well, you're the WCW champion. Yeah, I know. The belt's coming with me, too. They said, send me the belt. FedEx us the belt that you have in your possession. Because you got to think this time. There's no honor among thieves in the wrestling business. If you can get a chance to put the other promotion under, you're going to do it. So if you get the world champion of your number one competitor calling you saying, I'm coming, send me the belt, you're going to jump all over it. So Rick sends the belt. The very next day, he gets FedEx papers back. He signs. He's up at TV later of the week. He walks out with the WCW championship belt on WWF TV. That happened. That really happened. So, this goes on for weeks. And I don't remember, of course I was four years old, I don't remember through all my years here of what WCW was doing to counteract the fact that their champion's gone, they have no belt. 
So they sent a cease and desist letter out suing World Wrestling Federation. So I showed you the big gold belt, right? Okay. <clears throat> so when they got this letter, Vince decided they would start blurring the belt out on TV. But Rick was still calling himself the real world champion because Hulk Hogan was the WWF champion. So they essentially had two champions in the mix. So they sent out, if you look at this belt, it looks similar, but it's different, right? You remember what you looked yeah, at a minute yeah. ago? Like, here's what you looked at a minute ago. Right. Okay. And then this belt. This looks different, right? Yep. I'll put some pictures up on our Facebook page. This was called the Crumine belt. It was made by Diamond Maker something Crumine. So this was being commissioned by World Wrestling Federation, now WWE. It looks similar. Well, the problem was the lawsuit also included that they could not have any belt that bared resemblance to the WCW title, which is like this. So then they would blur it out on TV, but for TV shows and or non-TV tapings, house shows they call them that are on televised, Rick had to come out wearing a belt. So what they did was they took an extra tag title belt they had. And down here, their old school tag titles right here used to say tag team wrestling champion. Well, as you can see now, it just says wrestling champion. Right. <clears throat> so that's the belt he would wear, you know, that the house crowd showed the house crowd would see. But the people watching on TV would just see a blurred image. Right. It was all pixelated. So... This is a cool little story. More wrestling nerd stuff for you there. <laughs> but yeah, that belt looks similar to that one, but it's not. That belt never actually made TV. But that's actually in... Uh, championship belt collecting is pretty impressive. Yeah, right. I've been involved with that. That belt's like one of the holy grails. Like, if you can get a replica of that, you're doing all right. So, what What's that belt worth? I mean, This the, belt worth... Here, here's... The, you can get... The real thousand. deal. The real one? Yeah. Like, I don't know to this day where the real Crimean belt is. I don't know who has it. Uh, I know it was probably, last time I looked, ballpark, probably $15,000 or better. <laughs> which is not bad considering in the 80s when the real belt was made, that cost $40,000 in the 80s. And that's, so that's a $100,000 belt. Real now. gold and diamonds, diamonds and rubies. Right. And, Nine yards. Pretty cool. So Vince is like, send me the belt. Flair's like, I bet. So <laughs> Kurt's old school. Bet means okay, we'll yeah, do it. Yeah. I bet. I bet. bet. Yeah. Sure bet. Sure bet. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. You're having way more fun yeah. tonight than you thought you would, aren't you? Uh, I'm having fun, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. What else you got for me? Um, Nothing. Uh, nothing right now. I mean, uh, I wish I knew more, a little bit more about. Ask me, I'll tell you. you I'm know, the knowledge the, guy. You know, 2000, or actually mid 90s, probably. You ask me about. I ask you about baseball all the time. You educate me. What do you want to know about the 90s? Um, no, I'm <laughs> saying. I'm saying I don't really know much about past the 90, mid 90s to now. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people wrestled and, uh, you know, a lot right. of stuff happened. A lot of crazy gimmicks. All Some right. of these gimmicks in wrestling, man. They had a gimmick of the Repo Man going around stealing I, everybody's I, shit. I seen him in the Royal Rumble 92. The, you watched the, 90, the Repo Man? Yeah. Shit, that, that was the, the Repo Man. Fried. 
fried. Yeah. Um, yeah, the repo man. <laughs> um, there's something I was going to show you. I have a lot of wrestling stuff on my YouTube. You might get a kick out of this if it works. Night. Okay, here we go. Let's see if this works. Well, that's loud. It is. Uh -uh. Yes. Oh yeah. That's it. USWA Championship Wrestling Memphis. That's it, man. God, I miss that. Uh, dude, that takes me back. Jerry Lawler, right yes. there. It kind of sounds like Ric Flair's theme song. Man, that, that takes me back several years there. Jerry the King Lawler, Jerry Jarrett. Superstar Bill Dundee right there. <laughs> it, his, his thing was he's from Australia, right? <laughs> yeah. Sure was. Um, Kurt? Wish I could have been a wrestler. Well, I wish you could have been a wrestler too. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you what. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I, I've thought about getting back in it now. Like, I'm fatter and older now. I could take a couple bumps here or there. I wouldn't necessarily be a wrestler, but my favorite thing was I'd be like to be just a little loudmouth manager. Uh, be out there working. So, your dream was a pro wrestler. Mine was a pro baseball, baseball player. player. We could have both been rich and just knew each other in roundabout right, circles. Right. Yeah, Would you have life. tested... Would you have tested positive for steroids? I uh, know. I might have tested positive for being fucking awesome. <laughs> That's right. Uh, uh, I should have been playing third base for the Reds. The Reds? Uh, I mean, hometown. Man, I tell you all the time, I don't know who I hate worse. Cubs fans, Cardinals fans, Yankees fans, or Red fans. I'm not a Reds fan. I'm just... Why don't you go play in Houston with Jeff Bagwell? Uh, that would have been awesome. Why are we talking baseball right now? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm having way too much fun. How, how, how far are we in? Uh, right now, three hours and 14 minutes. Doing well, pretty good? Yeah, we're doing pretty good. Uh, what are we going to do next? You mean like as far as this episode or you want like wrapping this up? That's yeah let's let's put a bow on this yeah well i mean i think we had a lot of fun we talked oh, yeah. wrestling i mean is there any other wrestling things you want to talk about well i mean i can't think of any right now but we could always do a part two sometime right, right. i mean it's only like two o'clock in the morning quarter tail but at the rate it's taken us to pick episodes lately right so we were supposed to do history next and 
um, get the guitar from Glary. The problem was, even though I'm practically stealing this guitar from them, it's still going to cost me more money. Right. Money I don't have right now because, you know, life. Right. So I'm going to need to get in touch with, with them and tell them what's going on, and we might have to push that back. So we're going to have to fill with some more episodes that are sports-related or steel toes related or whatever it's just we're not going to be able to do the uh the testing of the guitar they were going to send us which by the way uh we're saving these guys for last because we had to talk about them glary guitar check them out on facebook or at glarymusic.com glary is spelled g-l-a-r-r-y uh, i've said it a million times i bought a gt501 and a gt502 in january 80 dollars each uh Look and play like a three to five hundred dollar yeah, guitar. I played one a little bit. It sounded good. Yeah, no. yeah. I gave one to Zach, or well, bought Zach gave me money. Bought one. Uh, it had very little adjustment out of the box, so basically it came ready, ready to go. To yeah. uh, very very reasonable and affordably priced instruments. I will not say cheap because that's not what they are. Uh, they're just fantastic for the price. Yeah. I had a good tone. It's a campfire guitar, and it don't not a camp wood guitar. <laughs> you don't throw it in the fire right. when you're done. You put it back in the car. It's right. a campfire, not a camp wood. But uh, check them out on Facebook or their website. Give them a call at 606-404-6286. Glarymusic.com. Um, I wonder who Jeff Jarrett used to get all who made all the guitars i never did pause the tape jeff jarrett's get gimmick in the 90s and the 2000s was headshot guitar yeah. he was busting guitars over yeah. people's heads 1987 honky tonk man hit jake roberts with the guitar and it didn't bust the only thing that broke was jake's fucking spine because he hit him with the best guitar money could buy right. jeff jarrett was hitting guys with like 20 dollar guitars or i shouldn't say 20 cheap guitars that would explode and you know right yeah look at this dude hey, you got the list well yeah this got wrapped up Here, here's some of the the wrestling topics for the the wrestling podcast so before we pick our topic what i was talking about so i'm gonna be running a second podcast uh i've got the equipment i'm gonna be doing most of the recording i'm gonna have to remote these guys in through phone interviews and uh, it's gonna be. It's called wrestling through the eras, which is kind of like you know. All right. So, and we're gonna talk about the current state of wrestling and indie wrestling, and cover past events and maybe biographies of guys and rebooking angles. Uh, independent wrestler, guy well known named Brian the Butcher Joseph, good friend of mine, was a Facebook friend for years on both of my Facebook accounts. And then the guy that lives in Chicago is a, is a great little heel manager, uh, Chaz Moretti. Uh, Chaz is a super cool guy. I love his thick Chicago accent. <laughs> Almost sounds Jersey-ish. Uh, I need to ask him if he's from Jersey, because for Chicago, Duh it's a hell bears. of a Jersey. Duh bears. Yeah. Uh, Chaz is a great guy. Chaz has been in the ring with a lot of great names. And we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to remote in a lot of guests. Um. I can't wait. I, I don't know when we're going to start recording. I need to uh, get us some hosting. Me and you use Podbean. I think Podbean might run a discount if I sign up another show with them. I don't know. I've got to 
I've got to do some stuff, and I'm and I'm missing the equipment to remote interview in. I need to uh, buy a cable or buy the Bluetooth option, which he'll be coming in a few weeks. So it's going to be a few weeks yet before we do our first episode. But like I've I expressed to them, this was been my idea. Wrestling was what got me into podcasting. Right. Unfortunately, I had more fun doing this with you, so it got put on the back burner. So now it's finally coming to fruition. And uh, like I've said, my I told them my focus will always be the Steel Toes and Scoreboards podcast because of the time we put in. And I couldn't have done this without you. And let alone the money. We have to everything. Half of this shit is because of you. Uh, so... I- I know you're, and you always tell me that I give you too much credit, but yeah, I mean, I don't. This do show that, wouldn't be a show without you. Well, <laughs> uh, thanks, buddy. I mean, I'm, <laughs> thanks, buddy. <laughs> I mean, I had a lot of fun. I didn't know at first if I'd be cut out for it or not. But tell everybody what really happened, because I I just cleaned it up that week by saying you were unavailable. So well, what sure I was cut out for it. I'll you know, be honest with you, and I I made. You made the decision that you were going to be done. Yeah. And uh, Doyle over here said, well, what are you going to do that for? I said, don't quit now. So, there we go. I know. I owe everything to Doyle. He's already sleeping. Are you sleeping? Uh, no. 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 <laughs> Usually, you're still playing 2K. It's early. and yet you're well, look I got like... pissed off of 2K. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you get pissed off of 2K? Uh, but are they being butthole Butthole we have a new phrase tonight, Kurt. What is it? Buttholeish. Buttholeish. <laughs> when we're conceived, what's the first part of us that's born or developed? Well, it'd be the. And the anal opening. Wow. Yeah, the butthole, folks. So I, I guess I could cross this off because it's not really pro wrestling. It or it, well, it was supposed to be the rise of pro wrestling. That was episode number fifty-four. I mean, we we still do that. I mean, just we, what we, made it more dominant. I mean, we. I'm telling, we can do a whole episode on Ric Flair yet. Uh, yeah, for sure. This was the easiest episode I ever had to prepare for. I literally had to do no fucking work. Well, I mean, he deserved one of them. For sure. I thought, uh, did you I have fun? Good, yeah, I thought we had good content. Well, like, hell yeah, we did. I had a lot of fun. Wow. I'm sure if I just stare a little bit longer, I'd probably think of other things. You but, might think of more questions. But uh, Hey, the list is up to 65 episodes now. I put some more work in. Oh, yeah? <laughs> well, what do you got? Maybe uh, I'll have to do one. I don't know. Um... Definitely, probably not gonna do a baseball episode. We just did that one. I don't know. Eventually, we got to do the steroids. Any podcast that does sports, especially if they cover baseball, always does a steroids episode. So, I'm guessing we need to stick with the NFL, the NBA, or other. Well, I mean, the NFL season is coming upon us. It is coming upon us. Yeah. Um, we did your Steelers, didn't right. we? Yeah. Man, I got a fantasy draft starting soon. What do you want to play in fantasy league? Kirk don't know how to play fantasy football. I watch it. I mean, I don't know what fantasy football. Oh man, fantasy football is my shit. I'm a. 
I get cocky about two things: pro wrestling and fantasy football. What's I won a three peat in my league one year. What's I mean? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Ask it. I don't know what the basic structure is or what the rules and what. Dull. Give mean, him basically, yeah. I mean, you just go through and ever, say there'd be eight people in the league, there'd be a draft, and there'd be somebody who'd get the first pick, and then they'd go through, and then uh, obviously all the way down to the eighth pick, and then if you're the eighth pick, and you get the first pick in the next round, pretty much you can also customize how the draft would go. Well, I'm in. Are you lost already? Yeah, but I'm. <laughs> I'm in. Count me in. Fuck. Fuck. What? What's it cost? I don't. I don't know. We got to determine that yet. All right. You're still recording. I just muted my mic. Keep talking. I mean, I'll be down to get into some uh, fantasy football. <laughs> I gotta get a fucking drink. Uh, you know, I'm probably gonna be biased a little bit. Uh, yeah. Steeler. <laughs> Steeler nation. Drink. Oh. This, yeah, keep me in mind. Yeah, I'll be in on it. Just let me know yeah, what. Be a couple, All right. What would we name Kirk Kelly's fantasy football team, Dole? I'm not sure. <laughs> I got too much shit scattered out on your table. Huh? We want to do an NFL. Something with it. No, oh, let's see what we got. We should do Brady versus Manning. Oh, wait. It's already been done. It's already been uh, done. Uh, I can't. We're going to do We're gonna do uh, Pete Rose for the Hall of Fame one day. Yeah, that's going to be, that'll be a good episode, I'm yeah, sure. It will be one. Great two-strike hitter. <laughs> he was a great two-strike <laughs> hitter. And then the very next line was something about Shaq. I'm like, what the fuck? I listened back to that. The very first opening we did, God, that sucked. It was all over the place. Yeah. That was my way of being lazy and trying to encapsulate quotes from the other up and fuck it. Just, I like the take we got on it now. I like when we, I love deep sluts. <laughs> I mean, stats. Yeah. It looks, I still have the sheet of paper with the script wrote on it. It looks like deep sluts. Oh, yeah. Sorry, folks. Not sorry. My penmanship's atrocious, and that shit's funny as fuck. <laughs> Deep slut. <laughs> Here's another good episode for when we do another baseball one sometime, though. I don't know what we, how long it would be, but it's talking about the in, the MLB adopts interleague play, which used to not be a thing. All right. Okay, so we're gonna do football or basketball. I mean, you got it. Football or basketball. You got Which one do you want to do, football or basketball? I say we do the NFL. Wait, football, basketball, or other? I say we do a football. Okay. I mean, so football fo- season's coming upon us. Okay, so football. The knee that changed the world, the Kaepernick episode. <laughs> That's not really an episode. I just put that on there to be funny. That might piss some people off. But. Oh, well. Wait, no. There. Okay. Okay. The 1985 Bears. Boo! They were, Damn it. they were a force, dude. Talk about the 85 they Bears. I'm just going to let this play. Nah, they were a force. That buddy Ryan defense was something else. What about the Steelers' dominance of the 70? No, fuck you. Yeah. We already did a Steelers we did episode. A Steelers episode. Huh. 
Pacers can't get no free agents. <laughs> Wrong sport. <laughs> well, I look what I have on this episode. And or for NFL episodes. I mean, there's all kinds of different things. Oh, there's all kinds of things. I mean, we could do a recap. The 49ers. Uh, John Elway's. 49ers dominance yeah. of the 80s. Elway's big retirement. Uh, the title returns home to title town. Favre and the Packers win the, the greatest show. Bowl. The greatest the show, show on turf. turf. I feel like we need to do something for my Colts. Mike Vanderjack's botched field goal. That's not what I want to do for my Colts. <laughs> when I just said we should do something for my Colts. I'll, That's I'll not. be down to do a Colts episode. The baby horses. The baby horses. I don't know. Let me think for a minute. I don't. You think it's a good move, Carson Wentz coming down? Oh, what the fuck, man! It's Carson Wentz. Him and Frank Reich won a Super Bowl in Philly. Carson didn't even fucking play. He said it I was know. Nick Foles. Nick Foles that brought it home. I, I I think the Colts would be better off to pick up Nick Foles. I'm gonna hit you with a steel chair in a minute. <laughs> I think they would. You're stressing me out, bud. <laughs> You're stressed. All right, God damn it. Let's pick a football episode. Look. Potty, probably. And the old hips hurting him. Damn, he's lapping that water the hard. He's made him freaking thirsty, didn't he? He probably got to go out. Think so? Probably. You gotta go potties. I like you go potties. Maybe not. You good boy. Look, he wants his butt rubbed. He's just gonna sit right here and I'm rubbing his head and you're rubbing his butt. Look at him. He's terrible. You spoiled rotten baby. My mic come on. Yeah. Let him out. Let's yeah. Yeah, me too. Sorry you're a little tired. Um Okay, so I've narrowed it down to three football options, and I guess I'll let you pick. So we can do another top ten, which will be or we pick the top ten running backs of all time. Okay. We can recap the 2006 Colts season, which is where they beat the Bears for the right, Super Bowl. Right. Or... We can cover the 1996 Super Bowl, which is where Favre, I think the Packers, who'd they play? The Patriots? Patriots. So. Uh, I'd say we do a Colts for the Indiana people. So we did, we did your uh, top 10 Steelers. Right. This won't be a top 10 Colts. This will just be a 2006 Colts recap. What a Culminating year. with them winning the Super Bowl in February of 07. Great year. Good team. They had the 32nd ranked run defense in the regular season. First play of the game in the postseason, they draw Kansas City in the wild card round. Larry Johnson was one of the top five backs for the last handful of years. 
First play from scrimmage. 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 Larry comes out running, and they just bust him behind the line for yeah. a five-yard loss. And it's like, holy fuck, where was that run defense yeah. at all year? And it, it's stuck through all the playoffs here to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, who was the defensive coordinator that year? For the Colts? Yeah. Oh, God. Offensive coordinator was... De- uh, defensive coordinator. Howard Mudd would have been offensive coordinator. No, Howard Mudd would have been... Wasn't he the uh, offensive line coach? Wasn't uh, Tom... Uh, Barchett Broda. No, 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 no. God damn it, Dole. Come on. He was the older, white-haired guy, big fat guy. Google it. I thought that was uh, Howard Mudd. No, Howard no. Mudd was shorter, gray hair, goatee. He was an offensive line He coach. was offensive line coach. Who was offensive? Tom... Uh, Moore. Tom, Tom Moore. Moore. There you go. Tom Moore. Yep. Who was the defensive coordinator that season? 06. Probably uh, Caldwell. No, Caldwell would have been. Who? No, I'm not joking. Not Dungey. I was joking when I said that. He's he's got it pulled up looking up. Who is it? Uh, I don't. Caldwell would have been an assistant head coach. It says, uh,. I can't believe I can't remember this. Well, wait. The team that it was been 2006 or 2007. Yeah, it was 2006 season because they played the Super Bowl the following year, February of 07. So 2006 uh, defensive court. I'm drawing a fucking blank, boys. Of course, this website went to has all things. Fuck it. You can pull it off Wikipedia. We're all good on Google now. I wish everybody could see this. 2006 Colts coaching staff. Head coach Tony Dungy. We knew that. Roster. Of course, that's giving me everything but what I mean. Me too. Well, this is... It says uh, Jim Caldwell was the assistant head coach, quarterbacks coach. Clyde Christensen was wide receiver coach. Leslie Fraser was the defensive backs coach. Frank Reich was an intern. Alan Williams was secondary coach. And it don't say anything about... What the fuck? 2006, Indianapolis Colts. Okay, offensive coordinator. coordinator was Tom Ward. Defensive coordinator was Ron Meeks. Okay. Yep, I just found it. Yep. Yep, it sure was. Yeah, look, that team there, if this is, I mean, that was the team that would have won the Super Bowl. Right. That is Barry. the team that won the Super Bowl. Booger McFarlane was on the team, huh? Yep, Anthony yeah. McFarlane. He was defensive tackle. Yeah. Raheem Brock was a defensive tackle. You had Freeney and Mathis on the ends. What, what Gary Brackett was the middle linebacker. <coughs> Gary Brackett was the well, middle linebacker. It don't show any stats of Freeney. You had Sanders. A, Bob Sanders was safety. Antoine Bethea was a safety. You had Cato June and Rob Morris as linebackers. Uh, cornerbacks would have been... Uh, Nick Harper Jason David. Jason, Jason David was one. Marlon Jackson, because Marlon made the infamous right. interception. God. Uh, 
They beat a good Bears Marlon team Jack, that year. Marlon's got it. We're going to the Super Bowl. They beat a good Bears team in the Super Bowl. Bears were pretty good. They didn't play good in the Super no. Bowl. That was a Bears team that was led by uh, Gary Brackett, or not Gary Brian Urlacher. Brian Urlacher. Who was the other one? Who was the other? Who was the other linebacker Chicago had? Um, Shit. <laughs> you suck. Uh, anyways, we'll find it in yep. the notes. I can't think of the guy's name now. Yeah, that'd be a good episode. Signed a big free agent deal. So we'll do. We'll do. Uh, okay. So I guess to wrap this up real quick, you said you had some word association. So uh, I did, but then I could. I, then you forgot. Then I forgot. Okay, my bad. He's okay. one. He's one of the word association. Well, you? I never do them. Usually, I do them to you. That's why right. it was funny. I mean, I couldn't think. I mean, the only thing I came up with was name. I got know? a handful for you if you're a game. Yeah. Okay. Pro wrestling. Entertaining. Entertaining. Okay. Randy Savage. I said, watch your bed. <laughs> Hexall Jim Duggan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking can't with you. I can't. <laughs> Paul Barron, The Undertaker. Creepy. Creepy? Creepy. Cool. Andre the Giant. <laughs> a mountain of a man. Holy crap. Super, super fly Jimmy Snooker, brother. I like it. I like it. He beat his wife to death. Didn't know that. And it's rumored Vince McMahon covered it up because Snooker was his top prize at the time. Huh. Nancy Argentino. She died. Well, that, that kind of makes me a little bit different. Oh, I mean, they never proved it, I don't think. And then the case got reopened. And then he died. So, uh, okay. Rick Flair. Uh, flamboyant. Flamboyant. Yeah. Opinionated. Opinionated. That's a good one. This has been our longest episode to date. Almost four hours. <laughs> Three hours and 37 minutes. There's a lot to talk about there. I mean, Dude, and you know what's sad? We didn't I could cover, talk another we didn't cover, three hours and 37 yeah, we minutes. We didn't cover hardly anything. Yeah. I'm getting tired. Yeah, me too, bro. What time is it? Two oh four. Oh, fuck! It's early. <laughs> Last that one night, we just turned the recorders back on. At this time, I gotta do laundry today. I gotta do some stuff too. Yeah, yard work. Gonna go outside and sweat. Yeah, I gotta go outside and sweat. Got I'm fat when me. it's hot. I like to stay inside. And do yeah, nothing. me too. I, I guess green beans I got picked. Okay, so I guess next uh, time we record, which um, I don't know, depending on my mood, we might be able to swing it Friday, maybe. Yeah. Because we got a holiday weekend coming. I'll have yeah. the kids, but I won't pick them up till Friday night. We can do it Friday. So uh, it's been a while since we did one. We we'll have to cram it. We'll sit, yeah, yeah we, fuck, I can cram this. This is the right. Colts, baby. All right. I can cram this. Uh. But if something changes, I'll let you know. But let's shoot for Friday. Okay. Um, I'll come to your crib again. Uh, so that's it. Um, you notice a lot of episodes I go, uh, uh. Because <laughs> I'm always thinking, what, tonight I didn't do a lot of, uh. Because no. I just fired it off. It was yeah. like word vomit. I couldn't stop. 
pro wrestling is a sport. Yeah, that's right. I love it. I had fun. Yes. So, um, I need to put us an outro. You know, we plugged all these sponsors tonight, and not one time did I hit the sponsors music. But it's a work in progress. Yeah. I think to close out the show, we should play a wrestling theme song. So, um, the problem is, I don't know what to play. What? You, let's see. Uh, let's see what I got here. We'll pick something. That'll make you happy. <laughs> um, oh man, I got all kind of stuff in here, man. Here we go. Um, I just had a hold on. Okay. Well, guys, uh, next week. Um, now I'm doing the ums. <laughs> Next week, we'll talk a little Indianapolis Colts, the 2006 season recap culminating in the Super Bowl 41 victory. Peyton gets his first ring. So for uh, Ethan Doyle, our nice anchor who doesn't have a mic, (laughs) for Kirk Kelly, I'm Jared Atkins. We hope you enjoyed uh, three hours and 40 minutes of uh, wrestling talk. I had fun. You had fun? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, Kirk. Let's end with this. We will see you guys next week. God bless. God bless. Little ultimate warrior. There you go. You like warrior, don't you? Oh yeah. This would get you amped up, you know. Oh yeah. All rights go to World Wrestling Entertainment. We don't own this. I can see him come out shaking the ropes right now. Wait, wait, wait. We should end with this. The Legion of Doom. Okay. Worse. <laughs> Adam would be happy to put going to final on. You like going to final? Oh yeah. Yeah. The Road Warriors, man. It's a good thing to go out on. There you go. Alright guys, we hope you had fun. We did. I got Kirk to do a wrestling episode and uh, he actually had fun. Oh yeah. We will see you guys next week. Peace out.